Welcome! Welcome one and all to the fourth annual Modeling Please Awards. I don't how many times have we done this, guys? Really quick, can anyone tell me? I'm pretty sure it's the fourth. I'm not okay. positive. I'll go back and look and see. Research uh, time is over, podcast time is now. As we count down. Well, not countdown. We're not going to do a list. We have nominees, and we're going to choose a winner. The year's most mildly pleasing things. We're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about TV shows. We're going to talk about video games. We're going to talk about other things, too. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's all going to feature three people. What? Only three? That's not enough. Yeah, I know. Anyway, those three people are me, Sean Lemmy. John Otney. And Colin Westman. That's it. That's the whole team. That's all you need, man. Because one of those award shows, just three people. Remember the year of the Oscars? It was just Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway. James Franco. James Franco. <laughs> and they were... I'm just, sure Jake Gyllenhaal was in the audience. No, it's just the three of them on stage, like, you know, reading off the awards. There's no one even in the audience. Like, it's like that time they played a baseball game, but there's nobody there. Uh huh. In Baltimore, it's still a lot of fun. If you you know, in retrospect, <laughs> that's what I'm going for with the 2015 mildly pleasing. You remember Award. they actually did that for one of the Golden Globes? It was like 2008 when they had the writers' strike. Oh yeah. And it was literally just people standing at a podium reading, <laughs> reading the winners to no audience. Uh, so yeah, like I said, we're going to count down, not count down, I said this, the wrong thing twice. We're going to list uh, five nominees that we have already decided on for you, and then we will deliberate and pick the most mildly pleasing thing. I mean, it's the fourth time we've done this, you guys know the formula. We'll go right into it with our first and always easiest category, the most mildly pleasing video game of 2015. Uh, easy because... Only I nominate things, uh, except for this year. I think John recommended one of these. So, the most mildly pleasing video game of 2015. Our, our nominees are Guild Wars 2 Heart of Thorns. It was an expansion pack for one of my favorite MMORPGs, Guild Wars 2. Um, they added a, a new class, uh, a new zone... Uh, some new ways of traveling around the world, a bunch of cool new content to a game that was a few years old and a little hard to come up with a reason to keep playing it. Um, and I had a lot of fun with Heart of Thorns for a few weeks until I realized like the whole end game is like even though the the game's principle is there's no grinding, I felt like as someone who wasn't part of a huge guild in Guild Wars 2 the the whole game had become kind of this massive grind or uh, an opportunity for you to spend more money on the game because they, were, they weren't giving out much as far as like new gear is concerned and a lot of the content just isn't worth doing right now uh, and maybe that's something that will change with patches but it was really disappointing to me uh, that a game that is still fun to play is kind of missing that extra layer of a reason to keep playing it which is pretty important 
another nominee was Halo 5 Guardians, the fifth Halo game, even though it's like the tenth Halo game. Uh, I was, you know, I really like that Halo 5 Guardians uh, did away with DLC maps. I think that's awesome. I think it's really stupid that so many first-person shooter games have paid map packs because that just fucks up the community. Um, so it's, it's been really great to see all the support Halo 5 has been getting post-launch. But I also feel like I'm really, really bad at Halo 5. Which wasn't the case with Halos 1, 2, 3, or 4. Like, I, I, I mean, I was never great. I was never getting first place that, that often. But I was a pretty confident, competent, uh, middle-of-the-pack player. And suddenly in Halo 5 I'm like always in the lower third sometimes I'm even the worst player on the team you and it, suck and so like I'm just not having as much fun playing this game <laughs> makes it sound like you don't like it because you suck <laughs> pretty, I mean pretty much they they did some other things they, they got they, along with getting rid of paid DLC they also um put like vehicles and weapons into this card pack system where the more you play the more cards you get and the more you play well the more cards you get so it's this thing of like I have to just run around and try to not suck so that I can unlock the stuff that makes multiplayer fun and if I am sucking I don't like want to use the nice gun card or the fun vehicle card because I'm just going to get my ass kicked, and then I'm going to have lost that card, which has, you know, a real-world value to me. Uh, so that's, like, disappointing for me. Because I, I, I like Kalo a lot, and I've been playing uh, online first-person shooters a lot more these past few years than I have really in my whole life. And it was a bummer. Uh, also, the single-player campaign was short and bad, which I don't think any of the Halos had like good stories but usually they were pretty fun and at least satisfying and this one it's just kind of the aftermath of the halo 4 cliffhanger up to a new cliffhanger uh also it is nothing like the story that they advertised for years and years and years so they ever gonna make that halo movie it was supposed to be neil Blomkamp, right like (laughs) He's not going to have a shot at it anymore. Because so. he blew it with Chappie. <laughs> I think he blew it before that. I don't know. He didn't really blew anything. It just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Okay. I think Peter Jackson. It was like Peter Jackson and Neil Blomkamp, right? Like they're going to somehow do it together. Oh, yeah. Like, Peter Jackson's like Neil Blomkamp's Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> In every sense. Um. Well, we'll still get that Assassin's Creed movie by the Macbeth people that's cool and Rock Band 4 intellectually is like the greatest game of all time for me like I want to love that game so much because Harmonix did so much to just to show that they respect my investment in the franchise basically by creating a peripheral that let you use your existing instruments on new consoles something that would not exist otherwise um, and really bending over backwards to make it so you could carry almost all of your DLC songs f- 
from the old consoles onto the new consoles. Whether you're on, if you had a PS3, you can play it on PS4. If you had uh, Xbox 360, you can play an Xbox One. Uh, and I think that's so great, but they also like stripped out a lot of Rock Band. Like character customization sucks in Rock Band Four, and creating your own goofy band was always a fun part of this franchise and it's just gone now um like the world tour rpg thing isn't meaningful at all uh the keyboards aren't supported anymore it's kind of like they just took the game back down to the bare bones of what rock band should be instead of uh making it this the celebration of the franchise and the revitalization that you would hope it would be I thought the track list was kind of weak too. Yeah, there was not a that was ton kind of what sunk it for me. There just wasn't that many new songs or new songs I wanted to play. And it's the sort of thing where like that needed to work because in the week since release, like they put out a bunch of new DLC, and it's not all Foo Fighters songs. But... <laughs> it's mostly Foo Fighters. Songs. It's, it's just the entire Foo Fighters discography like available in Rock Band at this point. I, and there must be something about Dave Grohl where he just like doesn't give a fuck about licensing stuff out. He's like, oh, yeah, man, yeah. just put it in there, just do it. Um, but they've like done a bunch since launch to patch better, you know, features into the game and. They're putting out new DLC again that uh, I would probably be buying if I get you guys interested in this again. And, and of course, we have the other factor of now I live in an apartment, and so we probably can't be playing loud music and banging on the floor like we could in the old days. Uh, but Rock Band 4, I wish I could love you more than I do. Which is also true about Saints Row Gad Out of Hell, a... So a game that feels like it should have just been DLC, but it kind of came out as its own game, even though it was like twenty bucks, so like wasn't a big deal. Um, the Cat Out of Hell was just a sort of funny continuation of Saints Row after where it left off in Saints Row Four, with uh, the Earth being destroyed and the Saints having taken over a spaceship and traveling the galaxy. Of course. Uh, with your character having gotten superpowers and become the president. Um, they had to write around that by sucking your character into hell to force them uh, to marry um, Satan's daughter. I think it was Jezebel was her name. Uh, and so this one you play as Johnny Gat, uh, the Daniel Day Kim character that's been a classic mainstay of the series. Uh, or Kinsey Kensington, the uh, intellectual hacker weirdo lady who's kind of been the team MVP since she showed up in Saints Row the Third. Um, this game didn't have a ton of content. You just it was just some side quests and like three or four story missions. Um, so I mean, I, I love me some Saints Row and I want some more of it, but this was just like the smallest amount they could probably legally give you without people rioting question do you carry over your superpowers or do you have to unlock them all over again well again uh your character the president is captured and so you don't get to play as your character but it does you you get it does have your custom appearance and stuff so for me 
Uh, it was Vin Diesel got <laughs> sucked to hell to marry Jezebel. Because when I was playing Saints Row the Third, which is a game I loved, I just played it feeling like, man, this is like the greatest Superman game there ever was. <laughs> so yeah. to start from scratch, that sounds frustrating. But I understand it's a whole it's a whole other thing. So yeah, oh, and you get hell superpowers as Johnny Cat. Like you get demon wings that you can fly around <laughs> on, and like demon super speed. <laughs> That's so good. It's like the best superhero game ever. Like, <laughs> once you have superpowers, the game totally changes. It's just awesome. And and that's the other thing of like Saints Row Four, just did everything and, like, you didn't even want to drive cars or use weapons that much anymore because you could fly and shoot fire out of your hands. So I don't I don't know what the next Saints Row should be. But it needs to be more than what Gat Out of Hell was. Which, again, I don't think Gat Out of Hell really counts as like a full sequel. It's basically DLC. But you don't have to own Saints Row 4, I guess. Uh, and my final nominee was Star Wars Battlefront, which is a bummer. Um, basically, as soon as this game was announced, everyone was like, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up, don't fuck it up. And they kind of fucked it up. They didn't, like, totally fuck it up. Again, mildly pleasing. Better than mediocre, but not great. Um, there's just not a ton of levels in the game. There's not a ton uh, to do as a character. Like, all your weapons are laser weapons, so they just shoot straight forever, and they don't have, you don't have to worry about ammo. There aren't character classes. Um, it, it's just a kind of a measly offering. Uh, but what is there in Battlefront uh, looks really great, sounds really great, feels like Star Wars. I mean, I'm still like kind of getting over my Star Wars obsession, which basically took over December for me, and a good chunk of November. Um, and this was a good thing to pour that Star Wars angst into. Uh, and yeah, it's like really pretty, but uh, the fact that there's not much to it, and they're already selling a season pass, and it's like fifty bucks, and it's like, can't you guys just do the Halo Five thing and give us maps for free? But they can't, and they won't. Can you play as Anna Kendrick, like in the commercial, like she gets transported into the game? Well, I mean, you can play as a lady. <laughs> So I can pretend it's Anna Kendrick. I, yeah, that's. And they don't have character classes, but you can choose the model of character you want. And they have a okay selection. You can play as like an old lady, or an old man, or a lady with blonde hair, or a lady with brown hair, or a guy with blonde hair, or a black guy. Like they got most of humanity. No black like, ladies though. Oh, I, I think there's a black lady. Yeah, I can't play as an old black woman. <laughs> I think the old lady was just a white old lady. Maybe I'm wrong. Viral videos. Those are always mildly pleasing. Because they're, like, dumb, but they're pretty fun. Should we do the thing where we describe each of them? I guess they're not that hard they're, to describe. They're pretty easy. They're all, like, ten seconds long. <laughs> oh, one of them's... Fair One of them's, yeah, fairly epic in comparison. 
And of course, we're talking about guys slipping on ice for nine seconds. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a long time, but it is a long time when you watch it. Like, have you ever slipped on something for nine seconds? It's like he just won't quite go down. <laughs> Who's filming that? <laughs> Looks like it's somebody just like sitting at a coffee shop or a restaurant or something, and they just notice this guy. <laughs> like, trying to shovel the streets then he just starts slipping and then he almost falls over but not quite and then he almost falls over again but not quite and then he and then he gets kind of mad and like throws the shovel and then he falls over <laughs> like he was like I'm gonna stay up and he's just like god damn it and then it, gravity prevailed do you think if that was you you'd be embarrassed by you know being famous for that or like you'd embrace it like do you think that guy woke up the next morning and was like, oh, shit? Well, <laughs> probably. I mean, it's nice because he's, like, covered in winter clothing and you can't even see his face. So I bet that guy doesn't even know that he he was a viral sensation. And did you guys see the – there's a sweet version where somebody, like – Pace him over a hockey game. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's just like sliding forward on the ice. Yeah. It's actually done fairly well. Yeah. It's pretty good. And that's, that's a good hallmark of uh, a quality viral video (laughs) is if you see it edited into other things. Like, uh, I just loaded this up on YouTube, and one of the recommended videos is Guy Falling for Nine Seconds While Trying to Fight Darth Maul. (laughs) And it's not bad. It's not a bad edit. (laughs) I I wouldn't mind if they kept uh, working on these, at least through the winter months. Up next, we have Ikea. And that's just a couple going through an Ikea... And the guy uh, with the camera annoying his, I don't know, wife, girlfriend by, uh, like, I don't know, like puns and stuff. Yeah, so basically funny, just all puns. The funny sounding objects. Yeah. I can't remember any off the top of my head. Can anyone else? Nope. Well, they're funny. Uh, I think they're... the first one is, it's called, like, the wrist scorn, and he's like, should we buy this? Is it a risk or not? Something like that. Some of them are like so lame. I think they're supposed That's, to be. I mean, yeah, I know. But like some of them are like you, you like beyond lame. <laughs> That's the great thing about it is when you get those videos that are like a glimpse into someone's life. Mm-hmm. And it's like relatable in a way. Like this guy probably does that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It says a lot about the kind of person he is and the kind of relationship they have. <laughs> News anchor explains how Amazon surpassed Walmart. Uh, it's just like a newscast, and some lady says that Amazon just surpassed Walmart in terms of, I don't know, success. <laughs> and then her co-anchor's like, you know why that is? That's because they sell sex toys on there. <laughs> And uh but there, he's like, I know a guy. Yeah, like, that's he told right. me. <laughs> I, I, I'm not fooling around. This is serious stuff. Hot scoops on news too. 
And the lady's like, they're trying to eat breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> the lady's... Yeah. Like, you can tell, like, she has to deal with this shit all the time from this guy. Like, telling these weird, semi-sexual stories <laughs> behind the scenes. One of them just slipped onto the air. Was that guy fired? I don't know. Certainly awkward. I mean, we've seen worse. Oh, I've seen way <laughs> on newscast. It's just really weird. Yeah, if as long as that was his only, <laughs> I think he could get away with outburst. It. <laughs> you know, he just had a piece of information he was he really wanted to share, <laughs> and he was right. I mean, it's probably true. I guess that's why just... I like it too. Is it's not like overtly vulgar. It's just a really weird thing. <laughs> Because he's like, it's true, it's true, nobody yeah. said it. It's true. But, it, like, it's funny because he's like, it's so stupid. Like, that's that's what gets me. Like, he's like, oh, I'm on to it. And he says, like, yes, that's the thing that put Amazon over the edge. That one thing is their sex toys. <laughs> he knows him. Doesn't he, like, know, like, what it is to be a newscaster? Doesn't he know there's, like, a certain level of professionalism? Is that just the one day where he's like, you know like, what? After a while, you probably get so comfortable with the job that, like, you're like, I wonder, I could probably get away with this, right? He probably did, too. So. He, yeah. I, I sincerely believe he was like, this is the scoop. I'm going the distance. I'm going to win a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> Let's yes. move on to... Uh, Nice Ron, which is just uh, another one of those kind of glimpse into the lives of like a couple or you know some people. They're just someone pointing camera at some deer out like in their back lawn, and then the guy like sneezes really loud, and they all run away. And you know the wife's like, "Nice Ron," he's like, "I I sneezed. I'm not allowed to sneeze." <laughs> and it cuts off there. But God damn it, don't I want more? I feel like that's old me. Like, like I'm like that. Where I like sneeze and someone's like, "Oh, come on!" I like, oh, I can't sneeze. Like, I immediately have to defend it. Like, I get it. Well, and it's also so accusatory how she's. She, it's nice, Ron. Yeah. Like he she, did it deliberately. She has a tone too. Like Ron does this kind of shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugh, Ron, Ron again. Ron again, another moment ruined. Again, it's like you totally like get a feel for what these people are probably like outside the video, and it's what like five seconds long. <laughs> so that's interesting. It teaches you something about the world. Just like shovel sounds like a Nirvana, it shows you there's so much beauty in music in the world. <laughs> now this is one of my favorite subgenres of of a uh, video where like. Someone makes a weird noise and then they edit it into a song. In this case, a guy dropping his shovel and it sounds like smells like teen spirit. <laughs> so chunk 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 chunk. I could watch those kind of videos all day. Like one of my all-time favorites is like this fat girl getting up on a table and it's the 20th Century Fox. So it goes dun 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 dun. It's like you're like breaking to the table. It just now I know this kind of goes like. It's kind of bending the rules a little bit because it involves like editing, you know, it, it, tooling. It's not as like organic as some of the others, but 
I mean, it's very watchable. It's very funny. That right. shovel did sound like Nirvana. It's pretty Good amazing. Time. I mean, I feel like in that one, you kind of needed it to, to be like, oh, that does sound familiar. But then you, you put it to the video, and you're like, oh, that's what it is. It's like Nirvana. <laughs> so probably not a winner, but man. Also, yeah. it's nice that the guy clearly accidentally threw a shovel in the air because he's like also slipping on some ice like guy slipping on ice so what do you guys think was the most mildly pleasing viral video of 2015 i feel like we spent the most time talking about the news anchor there's a lot to take in i kind of like that one like that wouldn't have been the front runner for me but more more we talked about it (laughs) it's like yeah maybe a lot to unpack there I'm fine with that because I feel like we always get trapped talking about viral videos for too long so let's give it to that and move on to the most mildly pleasing event of the year this is our ripped from the front page headline (laughs) news section (laughs) because we're so topical here we're just always (laughs) keeping up And so one of the classic stories of 2015, the ones you're going to tell your grandkids about someday, is... uh... Probably when they're a little older. (laughs) (laughs) Is the Ashley Madison hack. Um, A mildly pleasing event because on the one hand, Ashley Madison is a website exclusively designed for people to have affairs and it was so funny to find out the personal information of the people using that website especially the fact that um like 99 percent of the women accounts on ashley madison were actually men who were you who had ashley madison accounts to make money uh by flirting with guys online and then making them resubscribe to ashley madison that's great. That's hilarious. On the other hand, like we're still caught up in this battle for net neutrality and we should still be not okay with people having their privacy violated. So we're kind of being hypocrites by laughing at this stuff just cuz they're demonstrably bad dudes. They mm, can take it. Maybe they can't actually, because <laughs> it'll probably ruin their marriage and possibly their lives. But eh. I will say one thing that I found very funny is I remember around this time, like Snooky. You remember Snooky from Jersey Shore? How could I was, forget? Like, talking about how? <laughs> I guess yeah, like how would you forget that? Situation. Was, like, I would. Zimmy. I could never imagine. I could never imagine being with like a cheater, and then her husband showed up on it. But she's like, oh, he's just kidding, though. He's just like, he made a joke profile. It's like, ugh. <laughs> I wonder if there was any, any other, like, pseudo-famous people that were on there. Mr. Snooky was on there. Mr. Snooky. I don't know what his name is. Probably, like, John Bon... Bon Jonovich. Okay, so, Caitlyn Jenner was, like, maybe the biggest news story of the whole year. Um, and it was kind of weird, right? Like, like how, 
kind of like the Star Wars spoilers thing, there was just such a strong cultural force of like, you may not say anything negative about Caitlyn Jenner. She is beautiful, she is strong, she is brave. And that's like, it's true, and I don't disagree, but I do have a sneaking suspicion that part of that is because she's like a lifelong conservative that that makes it easier than someone like Chaz Bono who has been out as transsexual for a long time and and that also like brings attention to issues of like going through a gender transition is a lot easier if you're like super rich and that's not a luxury a lot of people have and it's I don't know I just there's something about the whole obsession with Caitlyn Jenner that alarms me a little bit even though overwhelming I think it's a good thing and I think it's great that people are becoming more aware and tolerant uh, of 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 transgender people um, you know with there's been a few things these last few years that have, that have really got like that whole cause out there and that's good uh, and I think it's great that Caitlyn Jenner gets to be herself finally after all these years and I especially think it's great that we now get to see her interact with Kanye West I think that's fantastic um, it's just like the, the perfect family for for someone with like a real struggle in their life to exist as opposed to everyone else who's just like the most shallow people in the world uh, so, yeah, like I said, mildly pleasing. I'm pretty much happy with Caitlyn Jenner. I'm just a little worried about it. I am undecided. I think I think it's a good thing. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, I don't know. It seems a little any. more on the good side, but I, I, I see where you're coming from, Sean. But, I mean, I, I, you see, like, John is afraid to say anything about it, right? And that's weird, right? I think it's because the fact that, like... It, it's doing more good than any kind of bad, so yeah. why, why stop that? You know, it's true. Munch Crelly, it's not doing much good in this world. It seems like dick. <laughs> so, like earlier in this year, he was like hiking up the cost of AIDS medicine. Yeah. He was was like, it AIDS medicine? Something like that. I probably it was should have looked AIDS this up. Pe- like patients. It was, it was AIDS vaccines. Yeah, he was like, you know, you can just hike up the price and then you'll make more money. Mm-hmm. How he sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and like that sucked. And then, but later in the year, it was kind of satisfying because he like went to jail for some shit, some tax, tax evasion. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of satisfying, but it's like, eh, he's just like a little rich kid. He's going to get out. He's probably, he's already out, right? But it was kind of nice to see him get his comeuppance. And it's also kind of nice that, like, he, he seems, like, so hated on the internet. Oh, most hated, definitely. He didn't, he took the Wu-Tang. He took the Wu-Tang. <laughs> I mean, the album's probably not that good, but he took it. Yeah, Will anyone have that it? album that... 
the Wu-Tang Clan came out with that was like $10,000 or something and there's only one of it. It's two, two million is two how much he million? paid for it. Oh, and, and once he had possession of it, he was allowed to do whatever he wants with it. <laughs> but he's like, I only like play it for celebrities. I only play it for Taylor Swift. Is Taylor Swift like that guy? <laughs> such a creep. <laughs> I don't think anyone likes that guy. <laughs> this guy's a loser. He like what? Like live streams... League of Legends or something. Not to bash people that do that or anything. I'm just saying. He's not a cool guy. Also, he went to jail for screwing over Wall Street and made more money by screwing over sick people. So it's just really depressing to me to think about this guy. Yeah, that's more on the bad side than the mildly pleasing side. Uh,. How about McDonald's breakfast all day? I never, all day. I never tried it. Okay, so basically what they did is they're like, we're going to have McDonald's breakfast all day, but it's only like three things. It's like a couple egg McMuffins and like hash browns. No McGriddles. Like no McGriddles. Oh, man. No sausage biscuits. I think maybe you can get that pancake breakfast, but like that's like 8 billion calories. Oh, you know what I had at McDonald's was the one of those... Sandwiches where they have like pancakes as the bread. That's like that. That's, that's a McGriddle. Gross. That's a McGriddle. I do not like that. Dislike. But Sean, they have flavor crystals. <laughs> Sean, everything has flavor crystals. That's what sugar is. Yeah, but, I mean, they're like syrup jewels. Yeah, I don't syrup know. is sugar, John. I I just feel like that is food that should be eaten at like nine in the morning. Should not be eaten. Or probably not be eaten at all. I don't know. I haven't had a McDonald's breakfast in a while. But I did like them a lot when I was younger. But You know what would be fun is if you came in at... I'm assuming like the breakfast time is still till 10.30, right? Yes. So if you came in at like 11 and ordered the stuff that they shut down on the breakfast menu. Um, because that's like such a gray area now. I think that would be... A delightful experience. Is that on YouTube? Did Justin Bieber do that yet? You know, I hear this has been a nightmare for McDonald's owners. Mostly because they just, they can't, they don't have enough grill space to cook all this stuff. So now everything takes way slower when someone orders breakfast, like during a meal rush. Like if everyone else is ordering dinner. So they hate it. Like people that work at McDonald's. And it seems like most customers hate it because they only get some of the things. And most people, there's probably like people that don't know that. They probably have to deal with that every day. It's like, oh, I'll get a McGriddle. It's like, no, that's only until 1030. It's like, but you do breakfast all day. It's like some of the breakfast. And that's, like, McDonald's is like going out of business, right? I mean, they're closing a lot of stores. I don't think they'll ever go out of business, but they're not doing well. So this was not helpful. Martin Shkreli's probably going to buy it and turn it into Big Shkreli's. (laughs) (laughs) The burgers are going to be like $500. Uh, Like the McGriddles have like a little design of his little face on it. (laughs) Doing that weird smile that he has. So you have to look at him every time you eat it. Like that's the logo is just his weird face doing a smile. Just like this huge... It, that that replaces the arches it's just his face <laughs> here's another one that i put on without like really remembering what this news story was but i believe it was georgia like took the confederate flag away from their capital or something what was the deal mm-hmm. sean that sounds right 
Oh, this was a while ago. Was it this year? Was it that? <laughs> I guess it was. I feel like this is the year where definitely the Confederate flag was an issue, and people were finally like, you know, maybe we should stop having these everywhere. Well, I, the main issue was, um, I believe it's South Carolina's state flag is actually the Confederate flag. <laughs> but they didn't change that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of still there. It was just kind of a big issue for a while, and I think more people are aware of it, and it's not, you know, you're not going to see it as much, but um, it's still out there. It's never going to entirely go away. That's the thing. You can't ever really take it away, and that's too bad because it stands for bad things. So many years of hate. Yeah, and these other, and people from the South are like, no, it just represents Southern values, and if that even like even if that's true to you it doesn't represent that to other people you exist in a world that you share with other people like how can you be like so intolerant as like well i like it so i don't care what other people think like if i'm just walking on the street and someone's like lame shoes dude i'm never gonna wear those shoes again if people are saying like this flag makes me feel unwelcome in your state and like, ah, I like it. <laughs> um, the other reason I, this story bums me out is this came out of one of the many, many mass shootings that happened in the United States this last year. Uh, and that was like a weird moment in the middle of the summer where I realized like we've had so many of these now that people are just going to jump on whatever political cause they want. Yeah, like, I kind of forgot about that mass shooting. We've had so many of them. God damn it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not a lot of progress there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Obama uh, did that thing today where he's like, this shit is happening. But And did you see what happened immediately? He he cried during his speech, and so the entire conversation is about. Well, was he really crying? Or was he faking it? Immediately, people don't want to talk about guns. Let's so talk about anything else. <laughs> McDonald's breakfast all day. That sounded bad. Like it wasn't working <laughs> out. Like I mean, sure. Like it's not like ruining people's lives. It's kind like, of a minor. <laughs> the battle thing. isn't over, or the war isn't over, but the battle is won. Right? Like ever since Big Daddy, people have been fighting for <laughs> McDonald's breakfast all day. I mean, at least I can get some hash rounds at 5pm. I like those. It's not all bad. Mm-hmm. I say that, that one's just like the least controversial, so <laughs> it's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll add more breakfast stuff to it. <laughs> Making them even more overwhelmed. Like McGriddles. That's all they need, man. Let's talk about TV shows. Mildly pleasing TV shows. I see first we got Brooklyn Nine Nine. I thought you guys loved that show. What happened? I didn't put it on here. Sean put it on here. I put it on here because I can kind of probably understand why. Uh it hasn't been as good this season. I would say the Okay. Weird thing about doing awards at the end of the year is that you have the back half of last season and the first half of this season to talk about, which is 
always confusing. I mean, it's not as much of a problem now because, like, network TV doesn't put out as much of the shows that we watch anymore. I feel like Brooklyn Nine-Nine's one of the few at this point. Um, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine had this thing where last season was really, really good. And this season hasn't been as good or at least as consistently good so far. It's only half over, and it's been trending upwards. I would say the Christmas episode, probably the best episode of the season so far. Um, but it's not, you know, I was hoping for this show to like be like, well, here's my new Parks and Rec. And, it's, and it seems so close, because even in the first season, there's like, this is a great ensemble cast. But it's not... It's just not clicking all the way. You do have yeah. to wonder, though, about shows like that that are, or at least with, uh, you know, ensemble sitcoms, when they start out really good out of the gate, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best thing. Like, you kind of want it to be able to grow and improve over time and the cast to gel together. I don't know. No, I agree with that because I seem to recall the American Office started out really strong, and by the end, like, who gave a shit? Because Parks and Rec's first season wasn't that great, and the second season was like pretty good, but not quite there. But then, you know, three, four, five are all excellent. So I don't know. It does seem weird to be like, oh, this show starts out good. There's no way it can get better. I don't know because like they got all the elements. Why wouldn't it just get better? Well, I feel like they're doing a lot of the right things. Like, they're this season, they're stretching their characters outside of their comfort zones. You know, they're making Gina uh, more actively help people, <laughs> which is something she hates. Uh, Rosa ha- has to open up more. Um, they did that with the kind of mishandled Nick Cannon boyfriend plot, but uh, they've had some good bits so far this, this new season. Um they're trying different combinations of characters. It's not like always Jake and Charles going on uh, cases. That's the word. They're detectives. <laughs> sure, that's the thing detectives do. <laughs> um, and even the like, will they, won't they romance that's been hinted on since the pilot. Uh, they've been delivering on that, but haven't made it suck. Like, I don't know, Ross and Rachel or Jim and Pam. Mm-hmm. Still pretty good. I mean, I still look forward to watching it. I know, Colin, you've you've just fallen off the bandwagon. I haven't seen the last, like, two or three episodes. I still like it, and it's still funny. I just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like something I absolutely have to catch up with. I I usually enjoy it. It, it is just it is just weird. Like, it is, it does feel like maybe the only, <laughs> like, sitcom that I'm watching now that does the 22 episodes a season thing it's it's <laughs> feels like an outlier at this point and I can't help but feel like maybe that works against it too much too much <laughs> maybe. fucking bastards and you also know. I don't know like maybe All it's right. a bit much to expect out of a wacky sitcom i don't know that it's become a show that's really about anything (laughs) like i feel like parks and rec found things to comment about as as far as like working 
you know, a, a mundane government job and sort of <laughs> trying to find fulfillment in that. But like, I don't know, it doesn't really reflect on the cop life that much. Whatever. It's funny. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have cases that are sometimes compelling. Usually they're pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right that they are very rarely much more than like super basic metaphors for whatever the actual plot is that week. Mm-hmm. I but didn't. If you want... <laughs> Damn it. Bring it, Colin. I was just going to say, I did not have a great transition. My transition was, I didn't watch Orange is the New Black this season. <laughs> did you guys? Yes. I did. Okay. And it was fine. You know, I think going into, like, when the, sh- when the show first started, I-, I feel like my concern was always, man, they better know, like, how long she's going to be in prison, like, how long this is going to last. They better have everything plotted out really nice. But I feel like this last season was just kind of, like, a little meandering. It didn't really, like... Like, this, the season before that, that was the season with V, right? Where they're facing off against V. Mm-hmm. Like, you had an adversary, you know... It was reaching to a climax and everything. This one, I felt like it was never really ebbs and flows. It was never really building to something quite as big. And also, it's like, well, how how much longer is this show going to be on? Like, how much longer is she going to be in jail? And it, yeah. it, I, I worry. It's not, like, bad or anything, but it just... It doesn't seem... I don't really get the point to it anymore. It's just kind of out there. I don't know. It's hard to put. Probably help if I remembered the season a little better. Uh, it's still a show with a great ensemble, and they yeah, one of the best casts. They did their best to focus on a few of the characters that have been around since the beginning, but uh, didn't really get too much screen time. Uh, like the warden guy, Mister Something. Right, he is on episode. He, he got his own episode. Where he's like, where he's like a like a rock star. Yeah, well, he had this <laughs> almost. He had this like really surprising backstory of him like always trying to do the right thing and it ruining his life like they show you like he was like wrestling and he volunteered to wrestle the like down syndrome kid like just because that's the right thing to like give him his chance let him you know have his moment and then like you can do the real wrestling but like the down syndrome kid like crushes him and like breaks his back um and like his bandmate gets his girlfriend pregnant and the band goes on tour, but, like, this guy sticks around and quits the band so he can take care of the kid. And then, like, the band becomes super successful, and the woman resents him and goes and hooks up with his bandmate again. So it's, like, another thing where he, like, tried to force himself to do the right thing, kind of for the glory of having done the right thing, and it just fucked his life up. And that was that was a good episode, but... Is it also, kind of the same thing as last season where they like show a character's backstory over the course yeah, of an they, episode while also that's doing how they've things always in real time? Maybe they did mm-hmm. in first, the first season too, I can't remember. In the first season it just felt so much more exciting because you like, didn't know anything about them. Uh-huh. It is like kind of fun like when you find out like the mute lady who works in the kitchen like used to be part of this cult and stuff, you know? But like it's like yeah they've kind of like run out of characters to do that with and the new characters aren't that great and it doesn't seem like it's ending like 
that soon. They basically focused on turning Piper into a super villain, which yeah, she's was the worst. Weird. <laughs> huh. And you know, it's like one of my like things I was most interested in is something like, oh, we're gonna tackle it next season. Like, remember at the end there was like a Paula Dean or kind of Martha Stewart type person who was gonna enter mm-hmm. the prison. But no, that's next season. It's like, yeah, that sounded so good. Mike Birbiglia was there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was an interesting character. What was he doing, like, cutting the budget and stuff? Some kind of... So that was another kind of interesting aspect of this season where they talked about, like, the privatized prison business and how um, Litchfield... That's... Yeah, Litchfield going, uh, going private was like terrible for the inmates because the quality of the food went down the the beds got thrown out the library got destroyed like as if you thought prison was as bad as it gets they just made it a whole lot worse because now it's in the hands of people that don't care about the inmates at all and they're just trying to get the bottom line as low as they can so that they can make as much money as they can and and Mike Berbuglia was kind of the the face of that, uh, as the the go between between corporate and the prison. Uh, and it was interesting to see like how he was kind of a villain in the prison scenes, but then in the corporate scenes, he was actually like doing his best to lobby for what was right. But he's probably not coming back. I mean interesting like plot lines but just nothing that was like really that big like oh this is must watch television it was just like oh this is on this is this is fine <laughs> just kind of put this on late spaghetti that's what I like to do I got uh, a yeah, question hope... yeah do you guys see shows lasting as long in the streaming era like it kind of feels like maybe shows shouldn't go on as many seasons because it's like we have so many tv shows to choose from it's like people get so easily distracted with new shows that it's hard to imagine like anyone caring about a show like orange is the new black on like season six even i mean yeah i definitely don't think they should go on as long i I think it's probably too early to tell to see you know where that's going yeah, just a thought uh, I had. House of Cards went real bad, real fast. <laughs> like it does seem like most of these shows, they like burn so hot in their first season, but then it's like they haven't really followed through on it. It's weird. I guess it depends on a show by show basis. Because I can imagine like Unbreakable can be shit going on forever, regardless of how many people watch it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's that's gonna be really interesting. What twelve episodes so far? So good. <laughs> yeah, another show that maybe has outstayed its welcome is Portlandia. One thing Portlandia did this season that I didn't like is they had a handful of episodes that just focused on individual characters, and none of those characters are strong enough to carry whole episodes. So that was kind of weird. There's some better ones, like you know, the, like better episodes in the back half of the season but for the most part it's like yeah we get it we we get what's weird about portland um time to gracefully step aside i mean i'm I'm sure they can still bring like a good sketch like every now and then but it it just kind of feels more like a chore it's like yeah i gotta catch up i got like 12 episodes that just sitting around like is it worth catching up with yeah i think you're right i feel like this is a show that 
went deep into recurring characters and really the only character that should have been recurring was the mayor uh, everything else is just kind of well there we go again that same vibe was this, the, was this the season where they celebrated 4th of July or was that last season no that was this season where he like the mayor gets like a bomb mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gonna like blow up a huge bomb just like wearing a boy scout uniform the whole episode yeah that's good I like that I'm sure like next season will be like okay but it's like just stop it before it gets worse you know that's always the thing like when you see a show it's just okay it's like well then just end it like I don't need to keep this going but when Portlandia started did you guys expect it to go six seasons that's a lot I didn't expect it to go two this is definitely a very niche thing (laughs) Especially for that kind of show, for a sketch show. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Screen Queen, since I know very little about this show. I wanted to put like at least one or two new shows on here, because it's usually just shows like, when will it end? <laughs> so it's kind of more of an interesting phenomenon when it's a newer show. Screen Queens was another, yet another show by Ryan Murphy and Brad Felchek, you know, and they, they did like Nip Tuck and Glee and American Horror Story, and now they have this, which is yet another anthology show. But this one's, it's set at a college, and it's like a slasher show. What's so the college like, called? Um, what does that matter? I think, I think it's called like Wallace University. Uh. <laughs> yeah, what does that matter? It's just a detail Sean hoped they'd get right, but they but did not. But basically, it's like, there's this really snobby sorority, and Emma Roberts is like the... Uh, the leader of that and they're getting in new pledges but then like a killer shows up and like is slowly killing people around campus and they're trying to band together and uh and stop it and it's i was surprised it was actually pretty funny like really funny i, I really enjoyed the first episode it's really like dark comedy um and i was like okay this will be this will be a good comedy show comedy horror it's kind of fun that doesn't usually work but then the problem was since it's a slasher show, like, you'd have some of the characters and then, like, one would get killed off in one episode and then they wouldn't get killed off the next episode. It's like, slasher stories don't tend to be, like, kind of the kind of stories that have legs. So it kind of just, it, it, like, it feels, I feel like the end is probably going to be pretty good. I haven't made it all the way through yet. Like, the beginning was good, but then the middle is just kind of, eh, nothing's really happening. Like and then and there gets to a certain point where you don't want certain characters to die because you spend so much time with them and then they're just gonna get picked off and you feel like that's gonna ruin the dynamic of the show. It just it, it doesn't it's not a format that really like works. It should have been like a three episode thing, not a whole show. And there's gonna be another season, which is gonna be another anthology horror thing. And then, you know, Ryan Murphy's also got American crime story coming out. Pumped for that. <laughs> that one looks okay because yes. it's like it's like a true story. So that one will probably be that probably probably be good. I feel like it's got a pretty weird cast though. It does. It's got like David Schwimmer and <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. Is OJ. The best part is John Travolta. Have yeah. you seen him in his makeup? He looks, yeah, he looks great. I actually think that one will be good. But uh, Screen Queens, it was kind of fun fun idea but it doesn't need to keep going and it doesn't have legs uh, what about Star Wars Rebels 
Um, well, are are you a child? <laughs> do you mean at heart, or do you mean in general? Because you so, know I'm not a child. I mean intellectually. <laughs> do you have the do you, brain? Do you have the mind of a child? Of a baby. No, I don't have the mind of a baby. <laughs> well, then Star Wars Rebels might not be for you. <laughs> How much of this show did you watch? I've watched every you... episode. <laughs> it's been released. <laughs> but, Season and a half. So you enjoy having your intelligence insulted. I mean, it's basis. not like it's an, it's not insulting because it's not made for someone who also watches Fargo the other day of the week. <laughs> it's... It's just little kid stuff, but it's Star Wars, so it's you watch it. Set in the it. Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and it's got you know one of the guys is a, is a Jedi, and <laughs> it's like oh there probably shouldn't be a Jedi because it's like only five years before a New Hope. I don't know if there even were Jedi at that point, uh, and like there's a lot of affection for like original trilogy star wars like even like pre-original trilogy star wars like a lot of the designs in this are based off of like unused ralph mcquarrie concept art but like it's ugly it is not a good looking show (laughs) uh and i know i'm biased when i say that because i don't like cg animated shows i feel like cg animation is the kind of thing that requires a ton of work uh, and it can look good when you make a movie, when you spend years and years working on two hours of it. But if you are doing what I think a lot of these CG shows for kids are doing, which is like basic shitty looking assets that you can repeat every episode so you don't have to try too hard. Uh, which, like, that's being extra harsh on Star Wars Rebels because it doesn't look that bad. But it's like, I don't like looking at it. and I And it's not smart enough that I could like have it on on another screen while I'm doing something else because it's just like learning stupid lessons like (laughs) family's important (laughs) that's funny so are you going to keep watching this show as long as I can't um, now that I'm out of the Star Wars window like I can't imagine I keep watching this show (laughs) This is really funny. <laughs> hey, Sean, can I ask you one question? Do you think this will be a good segue for younger kids into Star Wars? Like the like the more adult stuff? Watching the show? I mean, they have Force Awakens now. Why do they need shit like this? Maybe it's... Uh, I guess it's probably not too adult for them. It's... I mean, it's pretty tame. I think it's fine. I've been, I'm being extra harsh. I was expecting Nancy to be here to be like, oh, I'm all about it. It's pretty... Or, no, the typical Nancy defense would be like, like what do you want? It's, it's Star fun. Wars. Like, what yeah. do you want? What do you expect? It's like Star Wars. <laughs> Which it is. Like, it's not offensive like the Clone Wars movie or the first couple seasons of the Clone Wars show. But, like, even the Clone Wars show, like... That had George Lucas bankrolling it. So by the last few seasons, when they had some writers who knew what they were doing, like that, would, it got fun. Uh, and also, that show was willing to kill like a million people because they were clones, and apparently, cloned life is not as valuable as a human's. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just getting 
nothing out of Star Wars Rebels. Like, oh, and it's doing this other thing that I guess is just the thing now, uh, which is everyone who has a lightsaber has a special lightsaber. <laughs> so, like, the main character's lightsaber splits into two pieces. Not like Darth Maul style, it's only one blade, but he, like, he always takes it apart for some reason, <laughs> unnecessarily. And, uh, like, his apprentice has a lightsaber that's also a gun, so he can just, like, shoot lightsaber blasts at people that seem to only stun them, which doesn't make sense to me, because if a lightsaber can cut through anything, why doesn't shooting it cut through whatever you shoot at? Like, it just, like, it just seems wrong to me. And, like, the bad guys with lightsabers have weird spinny lightsabers. They're on, like, motors that spin around their hands. So it's kind of general grievousy. Those sound like pretty cool toys. They do, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> how, like, when you're saying the mind of a child, like, how young are we talking here? I, I to me, this is a show for five-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, I just had this awakening. There has been an awakening after I saw Force Awakens. And I was looking at my Plex, and I was like, the fuck was I doing? Why did I download this shit? Why did I keep watching this? Because it's Star Wars. <laughs> oh my god, Star Wars. Alright, let's pick a winner for this TV show category. This podcast is going to be so long. We need to, like breeze through some of these next few i think we could do it though but uh nancy loves rebels <laughs> i'd like to hear that conversation my pick is orange is the new black i would be fine with that unless we already gave it to orange is the new black i don't think we did right no we didn't it was okay. like pretty good last season i don't know what it was last good. season or last year Okay. Whenever, okay. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna guess. It, I'm gonna guess the newsroom one last year. Oh, rest in peace. <laughs> Probably in honor of its last season. That was a show that was only for like sixty-year-old men. <laughs> Fucking millennials. <laughs> the opposite. Rebels. Like that show starred Sam Watterson, but it was pretty much for Sam Watterson. <laughs> For the Sam Watterstons of the world, I feel like I feel like that show is nominated for a mildly pleased award every year it was on. <laughs> Might be wrong about that, but it's what it feels like. Because Aaron Sorkin's a really fucking good writer, he doesn't know what to do with it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Album. Well, we don't need to go too in depth with these, right? No. Okay. Death Cab. Like, who gives a shit? It's not bad, but it's like, seriously, they lost Chris Walla. Who cares? Just end. I went to that. I went to a show this year. And being on them, we're like, why did we buy tickets to this? What are we doing? I spent half of the game looking at my phone because there was a Seahawks game on. <laughs> oh, no. We overdid it. We saw him too many times. It's Yeah, you, you, you can see a band too many times. You're like, what? I've seen this. This is like a rerun. I mean, I'll always like Death Cab, and it's like it's they're good. They they can just end. They're never gonna make like a great album ever again. Just you're good. Go do other shit. <laughs> On the other side of the spectrum, we have ELO. 
coming. Well, it's just it's ELO with Jeff Lynn or like and I think it's Jeff Lynn's ELO because uh, it's just him and like the keyboard player uh, came back and did an album. The Essentials and uh, the Essentials. And some of the songs were pretty good. Like, if they were on older albums, I'd imagine, like, oh, these could have been, like, maybe hits even. But it's like the modern production kind of wrecks him. You know, like, yeah. he's got a weird, his voice sounds weird. They're, they're doing robot things to him. I mean, he probably is, because Jeff Lynne, I feel like, is pretty hands-on in the studio. And it's like, there just comes that point where it's like, you're not really with, like, the current technology, so a lot of your synth sounds sound really stupid, and there's a lot of weird decisions. There was some pretty good songs, but as a whole, just like, eh, you know, it's kind of fun that it came out, and I did kind of enjoy some of it, but uh, yeah, we didn't really need it. I think this is a front runner for me because I heard about this, I listened to it once, I was like, I like this, and then I never listened to it again. <laughs> did you think yeah. about it again? No, well, I did, but only because someone I follow on Twitter is like doing an yellow event. I will say, when I was a boy, the lead single's pretty great. I think I heard that. I that's like, a good. That's pretty a pretty good, good song. Uh, and the rest is there's some other good stuff too. And if they went on tour, I'd probably go see them. But uh, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> um, but Modest Mouse, another band where I saw some of the tracks on this live before I saw, before I listened to it. But again, it's like, uh, Modest Mouse, I just feel like they're not really doing anything to like excite me anymore. They've, they've done their purpose, or served their purpose, or whatever. Like, I just, They're just not as dynamic as they, they once were. Because I feel like when they first became popular, they was like, this is such a weird-sounding band. And now it's like, yeah, like that's all they do. <laughs> well, and, and expectations are a bitch, because like, this is their first like proper LP since... Oh God! So like since 2006, we were dead before the ship even sank. <laughs> Shit! That was a long time ago. We were in high school when that came out. Yeah. And like, does this have any great songs on it? The single was pretty good, "Lampshades on Fire," and until it got like run into the ground by like alternative radio, it got played so much. And yeah, some other interesting stuff in there. There's that funny megaphone, megaphone song. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if I hadn't been waiting for this album for, I guess, 2006, nine years? Holy shit. Um, maybe yeah. I would have liked it more, uh, but, like, instead it was just me like, please like this. But it's like, yeah, if it's like that much time, it's like, this is the best they could do in that much time. And I know they put out, like, 30 EPs, but... They didn't put out that many EPs. Oh, really? Well, it was like one or two. <laughs> what the hell are they doing? Yeah, no, just like drinking beer. Drinking <laughs> 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 beer. Uh, that's so weird because they were a band for a while before they went on this like ten year not putting out an album thing. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's why they're just getting tired. <laughs> maybe. Just call call quits. Yeah, shut it down. I mean, even shut when they down. were in their prime, they took a while with their albums. Like, there's four year gap between the moon and Antarctica and good news for people who like bad news. It's just yeah, they got that was a fucking revelation, man. <laughs> yeah, I, 
Here's a tip. Go back and listen to The Loads of Crowded West if you haven't. That's a really good album. You're waiting nine years. You haven't even heard that one, right, Sean? I don't know. Okay. So, it's, uh, it's got a picture of that Hilton building in Seattle that I always drive by. And I'm like, that's the it's building. It's not a great photo, but it's, it's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like they took it while they're driving in a car. Those are the best kind of photos. Uh, I really got into the Mountain Goats earlier this year. And so I was kind of excited that they're coming out with a new album. And then it was just kind of okay. It's kind of one of those albums where like the first half is like pretty good. But then the second half wasn't amazing. Was it all about wrestling? Oh yeah, it was a concept album about like was it... 70s underground wrestling. Because that's like what John Darnielle was really into as a kid. And you know, Mountain Goats have done a number of concept albums. Some of the songs are kind of cool. Was that like weird? Like, would you have preferred them to do a non-concept album? Uh, you agree, cool with it? I was cool with it. It's just some of the songs are just okay, and some of the songs mm-hmm. were like interesting because they, you know, humanize these guys and like their problems. You know, when they're behind the masks, just like I don't know. There's some cool songs in there. And I saw them live too, and they're really good. And cool. they played most of the songs that I liked off the album, but it was just an all right album. I feel like we've seen a lot of these bands live yeah. this year, or <laughs> are willing to, <laughs> despite the fact that they're just whatever. They paid their dues, most of these groups. Uh, and I'll, <laughs> I just got to look at Sean's top 10 albums of the year. I didn't read it, but it looked like he put this next one on there, Tame Impala's Currents. I'm guessing I'm it probably... may or may not be on mine. Yeah, though. I'm guessing I'm probably the only person who only found it mildly pleasing. I guess I just felt obligated to put one album that critics liked a lot, but I only thought was okay. I feel like we always uh, have one of those. You couldn't put Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion on? Well, I didn't listen to it, so... No... Ah, that game that's a that's a flawless album i think so then why would i have put it on here yeah just because you're cool you wouldn't like it <laughs> I'm, I'm open to catchy I, music i liked in your top 10 of the year you're like i just want guitars and real drums pretty much that's kind of how i felt this year <laughs> like i wasn't that open to listening to things that were outside my comfort zone which maybe Waves and Cloud Nothings made an album. I heard about that. I like both of those bands. How did I? God damn it! It's pretty good. Like top ten oh, good. Man, Cloud Nothings is my number two last year. Three, pretty high. I don't mean to go off off track here. <laughs> um, yeah, the album uh, winner for mildly pleased album. I feel like ELO. Man, it's like they're back. They're, they're all right. Good for them. For me, I'd go more with Modest Mouse. Maybe just because all three of us listened to it. I feel like I feel like that's more disappointing because of all the build-up. Perhaps. I don't know. I feel like the songs weren't bad. They're just fine. But maybe them being just fine made it disappointing. It's complicated. I think also you could 
like you said beat the champ is half a good album and i i kind of agree with you it's like half a good album like if you listen to the f- i think i told you the first time i listened to it i only listened to like the first six tracks and i was like should i go back and you're like eh, maybe <laughs> maybe just start it over again yeah. and it's one where like i give john darniel like slack because he like put out a novel last year that he wrote and it was like nominated for a i don't know some big end of the year book award a bookie <laughs> a bookie so it's like you know and he's put out so many other good albums like the mountain goats or they have a very deep discography worth checking out but i, I could give it to that one if you want to i do or yellow whatever wait what what do i i want i want to yellow all right wait unless someone wants to fight for it. i think any of those three is fine yellow is fine all right we're no who's a boy. It's not going to be Death Cab because it made us go, you should quit as a band. <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to be Tame Impala because it might like be it. on two of our top tens. Yeah. <laughs> may or may not. May or may not. All right. Um, yellow, cool. On to these songs, which I didn't go to the trouble of listening to all of them. Sorry. Okay, we, got, we got Hotline Bling. Truly, Everyone knows what yeah, that come is. Come on. Sure. You know that one, right? Call. Sure, uh, sure. I know that it's one. It's got the videos. It's got all the the memes. I saw one where they took out the music and replaced it with the Rugrats. It works pretty well. Um, <laughs> we hear it on the radio, and like at first, I was like, "This doesn't even have like a chorus. It's not catchy." But it's like, it's like kind of catchy. It's but it's like weird because like I don't feel like it's that long. Drake doesn't even rap on it. It's not even on that most recent album he put out. It's just like it's just kind of out there. <laughs> It seems like kind of like a half-assed like thing, <laughs> it but does. it just seems like you just kind of crapped it out, and yet it became this weird phenomenon. <laughs> half-assed. The, the lyrics aren't like that engaging. <laughs> Used to call me on my cell phone late night when I need your love. You know, I blink. It's funny though; it makes me smile. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's good, but it makes me like smile. even those dances are like half-ass dances, but like that's what's charming about. <laughs> what if you only move the right side of your body? <laughs> makes me happy that Drake's not a good dancer. It humanizes him. I also put on X's and O's by L. King. Uh, fun fact: daughter of Rob Schneider. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, um, why is she called this... L. King? I. What, she could be El Schneider. El Schneider. <laughs> I am El Schneider. Her name even is L. And this is like one of those. Oh, uh, it's not. It's like, Tanner Schneider. Tanner Schneider. Yeah, that's that's terrible. It sounds like a Full House character. Her Wikipedia <laughs> picture makes her look like a Wiccan. She might be. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in the Schneider household. <laughs> Aren't they in an anti-vaccine family? Oh. She's saying she's just riddled with disease. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe she should get her, like, because maybe she'll die. So maybe she should get the award. Uh, but no, this song was, like, it's, like, kind of catchy. It's also, like, kind of lame. Kind of just, like, it's, like, trying to be rock, but it's, like, just kind of lame pop. So She was the opening act for Modest Mouse on the Strangers to Ourselves tour. Not the show I went to. Unless I really, really can't remember. But I feel like I would have remembered that. I'm sure Rob Schneider would have been there. He goes to every show. He's like, yes, yes. He's a great going, father. Going you know? to concerts. <laughs> I know he has been going to a lot of our shows, so he's been very supportive of this this rock thing. 
All just right. saying. Speaking of this rock thing, Owen rocks colder <laughs> or harder than Coldplay. Yeah, upcoming Super Bowl halftime sensation Coldplay. That is really it's funny. The more I think about yeah. it, that is weird that they're going to play that. I feel like they're more popular than more popular than ever, and their music's getting worse and worse. I don't understand how that works. But are, are they still popular? I don't even know. They're they're very popular. Wow. Like you know, coming from someone who works, I guess you could say in music retail. I mean, after Adele, that's like the album. Their new album is the one that I sell the most. To people who? scoop it up. Like people who don't like know what they're doing. <laughs> like they'll be like a middle aged mom's like oh I'll, they'll just like walk up to the like come up and buy it not even thinking about it or like all sorts of people you know just like it's funny because like my mom did that in like 2002 mm-hmm. with um the good album what was that one called <laughs> rush your blood, blood to the head. head yeah i think now it's just like this is a thing you do like this is what people like i guess i better have this um i thought the album was kind of lame i reviewed it on the blog uh the song in question though if i adventure of a lifetime um, I think that's it. It's yeah. got a sweet riff. I I don't know if the rest is that good. The riff is kind of cool. It's, it's the kind of thing where like if this was a young band that wasn't the like maybe the biggest band in the world and also someone I used to care about a whole bunch, maybe I'd be into this. But I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, kind of half-assing it. It doesn't even a chorus. You just go ooh. <laughs> And the music video is basically War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, you, you guys should check it out. It's it's a uh, CGI. There's not really a war. It's CGI apes dancing, but it's like kind of weird looking. It's like is it like photorealistic? It's like, it like is photorealistic. Movies? It kind of looks like those movies, but like like not quite as good. But they're like dancing, like Michael Jackson dance moves. <laughs> Do you think they mocapped the apes? I think they probably did. Awesome. Um, so that's worth checking out. Uh, hopefully that'll win an Oscar or something. But sh- <laughs> <laughs> the music video? Yeah. What's that word? That short, like, film. <laughs> the VMAs and the Oscars are merging this year. Hmm. Finally. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, Coldplay's big, but, no, I mean, no one's bigger than Adele. And that Hello song, like, that song is everywhere. You know, it's funny when I put it on this list. I was like, "Yeah, it's okay," but like in the the week that maybe this list has been up, I've heard it so many times that I'm starting to not like it. Um, also, since I listen to a whole like range of weird radio stations, I hear this a lot, and then I'll also hear like the remix, which is basically just the song, but it's got like sweet. I would not sweet, but it has like weird drums in it. Is that like by Ryan Adams? <laughs> What about Ryan Adams? Or, or is that a different thing? No, you're Are thinking you... of the twi- Taylor Swift 1989 cover album. Yeah, right. What does it have to do with anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who these people... I have not heard this song to completion once in my entire <laughs> Man, life. Sean. You had to keep up with the times. This is like a, this is like the biggest album ever. Man, not ever, but like of our time, definitely. It's pretty okay, too. So, whatever. Um, she's a good singer. I mean, that's what everybody says. It's true. I like the Skyfall theme. I like some of her other stuff okay. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we had to mention Adele somewhere on this list because I feel like she's so relevant to pop culture right now. I just we're not. I just don't know that her songs are really that good, at least on this new album. 
He's a good performer. I don't know. Maybe a little overrated. I don't know. What's it about? What's the song about? I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's about what they're all about. Like, break up shit. Like, just like call them a thousand times. Um, Couldn't get any response. She should have just texted him once. Yeah, a thousand times is a little aggressive. <laughs> Can you imagine getting a thousand texts from one person? Hey. Hey, babe. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Thumbs up emoji. Middle finger emoji. Black Santa Claus emoji. Okay, and then just to round out the list, I just put some random song that I feel like I hear on the the end all the time, and that's Long Way Down by Robert DeLong. And it's kind of like... Wait, is it named after himself? Uh, I thought about it, but I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Robert DeLong Way Down. <laughs> Maybe. And that's just kind of like a stupid, like, electronic pop song. Uh, he's local, and uh, it got, like, on, like, national radio and became, like, pretty big. So, good for him. Yeah. Like Macklemore. Yeah. And I like the sound effects and stuff. It just, it's kind of lame. kind of reminds me of that year we had that guy that's like, I feel like I am just... It's like that kind of music. Oh, shit. That song's great. Is this as good it's as that? It's not nearly as good as that, but it's like it's like <laughs> no, almost a similar is. kind of music. Just like lots of weird sounds and stuff. Um, No, you, it, I shouldn't have said that. You're going to be incredibly disappointed when you listen to it. Mm, okay, so... it's Okay, I'm watching the music video on silent, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> But it does kind of look like a Microsoft commercial, so I'm into it. I don't think this one should be the one. I feel like, I feel like uh, if I want, you know, had to pick one, I'd go with Hotline Bling. Yeah, I was gonna say that too because we pointed out how it's just like a half-assed song that became a phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. It's just funny. It makes me smile. Yeah. We would like to take a little break in the awards to pay honor to one of the uh, paragons of mild pleasure it's the lifetime achievement award although like every other award <laughs> we have five nominees and we're gonna pick a winner we should probably just pick one ahead of time i feel um, like it's more fun this way <laughs> just to see who doesn't quite make the cut for all their years of mild pleasure yeah so we're looking for someone who maybe had like a on a, a bad career but a peak goodness year or, or just a you know mildly pleasing entire career they've always just been like fine but never really broke out never really wowed us but they did okay uh so the first one on the list is jason bateman excellent choice i mean what have you ever been like oh my god jason bateman's in this he started his career like that too, because remember he, one of his first roles was Teen Wolf Two. So people are like, oh, Damn oh, you, it's not Michael J. Fox. Oh, okay, I guess we'll see it anyways. See so what you're saying is he spent his career living up to lowered expectations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, aside from Arrested Development, what's one other time where you're like, man, I'm really glad Jason Bateman was in that. Up in the air. He's like pretty good at that, even though he's only in maybe two seeds. Okay, okay. So we we, we found one thing. There you go. But I, I, 
Again, he's just being like a solid guy, just just trying to get George Clooney through this. I think it probably went with would would have went with Juno. Good in that too. As the villain, basically, he's the bad guy. Yeah, bad guy, cool guy. Uh, he's really bringing it in that Zootopia trailer, which is my favorite trailer of the last year. That looks fun. But that's next year. Mm-hmm. Maybe next year he's just gonna uh, be the best. He's gonna like yeah. win an Oscar. Everyone's gonna love him. He's gonna be in everything. What else has he done? Hancock. Ooh, identity mm-hmm. thief. You know what he was in is a. One of my favorite movies, according to Colin, I bet. <laughs> the Kingdom. <laughs> he's in that? Yeah, so that's... he's. Remember, maybe you don't, the plot of that movie nope. is these Americans are in Saudi Arabia, and they get, uh, they get attacked, and one of their teammates gets kidnapped. And you think, oh, that's probably like Kyle Chandler, right? Nope. They gave that meaty kidnapped role to Jason Bateman. <laughs> Jamie Foxx and Chris Cooper have to save him with the help of... Who's the lady? Jennifer Garner? That sounds right. It's either her or, like, Emily Blunt at a time when I didn't know mm, who that was. That seems way too early for Emily Blunt. Okay. She would have been, like, 17. <laughs> <laughs> this movie wasn't that long ago. Wasn't this, like, 2008? I bet it's like 2007. She was 17, Sean. She was 17 years old. <laughs> what movie is that a reference to, John? Uh, see. Well, it's not the Italian job, is it? I feel like no. it sounds like that. It is a Michael Caine movie. Yeah. He did when he was like way older. It was like Mr. Brown or something. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I thought it was really in that. Is it she's she's fifteen years old? She's fifteen years old. Maybe. Uh, Get Carter probably. Get Carter's (laughs) the one where he's like, "Are you the one that killed my brother?" I think it is also from. No, I think it's from. Maybe it's in Get Carter. I'm so confused. Yeah, Get Carter. She's only fifteen years old. Which was remade with Sylvester Stallone. Michael Caine of his time. <laughs> really Another 15 year old is Lee Schreiber. I mean, he was 15 year old at some point in this his is life. This is true. <laughs> Good segue. God, Lee Schreiber. Um, you know how mildly pleasing Lee Schreiber is? I did not know until this year that he was American. I always just thought he was a British guy playing American <laughs> characters. Because I guess he's just like that hard to believe as like a regular guy <laughs> it's, it's weird to me that i thought that for so long of course he got his breakout in uh, scream 2 and has been you know being consistently great projects since um x-men origins the omen um, yeah the omen was great man. uh <laughs> <laughs> We're using Spotlight. He's so good in Spotlight. That's the thing. He finally had like his first good, <laughs> his first impressive good. performance this year. Yeah, he's good in Spotlight. So, you know, he's on the uh, the upswing. He's on Ray Donovan, which is a show that I don't know if anyone actually watches. 
I bet the one asshole who listens to our podcast <laughs> is like, Ray Donovan's so good. He's fucking assholes. He was okay in Taking Woodstock. I mean, nobody liked that movie. I liked it, but uh, he was there. Taking Woodstock. With Dimitri Martin. Ang Lee. I know, it's, God, it's, it's is, a weird that thing. That, that movie. is weird that that movie happened. I kind of liked it. Um, he played a transvestite. In that Woodstock oh, yeah, movie? Schreiber, yes. Huh. I believe he was in like a chess movie uh, last last year, this year. Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Oh, Pawn Sacrifice? Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that movie, but I'm not going to see it. <laughs> I know, it sounds interesting, but you're like, I don't know, Tony Aguirre, Leif Schreiber, that's the best they could get? Mm, probably probably skip this one. Um, I, I don't wish him any particular, like any harm or anything, you know? It's like, he's not hurting the world with his performances. That sounds like wildly pleasing to me. Do you guys know his brother is Porn Stash on Orange is the New Black? Oh. This is a fun fact. Do you know Porn Stash is on that show that was on HBO that was going to get renewed and then later they canceled it? They changed their mind. The Brink. The Brink. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Oh, we're renewing it. It was like, oh, wait, whoops. (laughs) They like, yeah, they like straight up renewed it. We forgot to check if it's good. We forgot to watch it first. <coughs> I think he was also on The Wire, if I remember. He's like the Doc Boy. Yeah. Not Doc Boy from Garfield. Uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Pop, pop. But I know, I know the character from The Wire you're talking about. You guys about. want a deep cut. Maybe the deepest cut in the history of the podcast. <laughs> Doc Boy from John Arbuckle, the main character of Garfield. <laughs> You know, because Garfield's not the main character. He's just a cat who thinks. <laughs> uh, John Arbuckle has a brother who lives on a farm called Doc Boy. Look it up on the internet right now. Pause the podcast. Or keep listening and Google it. You will find Doc Boy. Just like a bald guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of remember this guy. Dark boy, okay. How should you give Jim Davis an award? another? Yeah, he doesn't care. Wait till he's dead. <laughs> uh, someone who's alive is Ron Howard, the uh, famed director of movies. Paul Thirteen, uh, Ransom, mm. Backdraft. Yeah, bad. Yeah, Cocoon. Beautiful Mind. Cinderella Man. A lot of stuff. The, the man who was Cinderella. But, uh, lately he's been doing lots of movies that no one cares about, it seems like. Yeah, like just Dan Brown adaptations. What was the one he did this year? The Heart of the Sea? That's right. I still want to see it. It looked cool. It just apparently wasn't. It's got a giant whale. Do you see that poster? Interesting, like, real life. The whale's eye is bigger than Thor. (laughs) They did that Rush movie. 
also with Thor. That was okay. Incredibly I misleading. I saw that. Because it makes it look like Liam Hemsworth is like this the star. I mean, he's, he's kind of the star, but like... I mean, I'm looking at the poster. It's literally just it's him just his face. staring at you. Like, <laughs> oh, guys, that's that's Chris Hemsworth. Oh, sorry. Liam Hemsworth is the ugly one. My mistake. <laughs> um, hideous. But like that movie, like Daniel Bruhl has way more screen time. He's like the main character. That John C. Riley character. Are you calling the John C. Riley character because he's like the equivalent? Like if we're talking about Talladega Nights. Isn't that John C. Riley's character, Daniel Brule? He has like a TV show. You're thinking of Steve Brule, John. Oh, damn it! <laughs> so you're going for even this weirder connection. Oh, because you thought his name was okay. Um, but that movie was like okay. Daniel Brule, not to be confused with John C. Riley, was pretty good. I mean, yeah, like, looking at Ron Howard's, like, career, there's not a lot of titles here. It's like, oh, that's one of my favorite movies. It's like, yeah, that was pretty good. I think Frost Nixon was pretty good. That was good. I think Parenthood's my favorite Ron Howard movie, though I feel like it could have been made by anybody. I mean, that's kind of how most of his movies feel. Yeah, they, he doesn't really have, like, that, like, it's like, he doesn't put the Ron Howard, like, signature on it. I mean, even, like, Frost Nixon, it's more because of Peter Morgan's script than... The dynamic directing of it, of two guys sitting in chairs talking to each other. Have you guys seen Ed TV? <laughs> Isn't it just bad has, Truman Show? Has anyone seen Ed TV? I've seen parts of it on TV. Seems intriguing. It's got Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Oh my god! Warm, warming up for True Detective. That's weird. How come no one talks about that? Yeah, I didn't even realize. Neither did I until just now. <laughs> Weird. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> also, he gave us Bryce Dallas Howard, so. Oh, yeah, she's okay. <laughs> I, uh, you know, give her a few more years. She might be up for one of these, too. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like she's in a lot of, like, movies that are end up being kind of disappointing. Oh, yeah that you have high hopes for <laughs> definitely i just feel like it's never her fault yeah i mean that's like the thing. She's just, <laughs> like she's fine in spider-man 3 but that was just a movie riddled with problems like she was fine in, in jurassic world but people only cared about the fact that she was running around in high schools <laughs> didn't like talk about her performance really at all she was good in 50 50 but you know she's playing an asshole and she was okay in Terminator Salvation, but that movie shouldn't exist. <laughs> Sam Worthington, though, my man. <laughs> How old do you think Sam Worthington is, though? Ooh, 40? He's probably like 30. 30? It's 39. He's English? <laughs> I thought he was Australian. I thought he was Australian. Maybe he was born there. Yeah, we moved to Australia. In six we moved old. on to try to like is Sam Worthington. Maybe he was. Oh, yeah, he did move to Australia. Okay, good. Told you. Okay, it happened. Um, so ends the Wikipedia portion of the <laughs> Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award. Well, still got uh, two more. Vin Diesel's up for this, has, I guess. Has he been nominated before? I feel like he probably has. I mean, that's 
That's a weird thing to do. It's like... There's, there's no arc to Vin Diesel, right? It is just a steady line. Mm-hmm. He just keeps being Vin Diesel. <laughs> no one's going to stop him. Because <laughs> he keeps making so much money from those Fast and Furious movies that he can like do a really bad movie that no one sees, like The Last Witch Hunter or like another Riddick movie every year. He's just going to keep doing it. You know, I was kind of thinking about Vin Diesel recently and trying to figure out why it is that, like, I just kind of liked him and didn't, like, love him. Because he seems like such a great guy, like, in person, you know, and on the internet. Like, he seems like a great guy. And it was, it was, I was watching Jingle All the Way, and, you know, Arnold was doing his shtick. And I was like, man, Arnold's, like, really charismatic, but, like, but he's such a terrible actor. Like, he's doing a terrible <laughs> job with this movie. And I thought about, you know what? Vin Diesel is actually a pretty good actor. But he has no charisma. Like, he's never, like, funny or anything. I mean, he's, like, kind of funny, but it's, like, he's, like, the exact opposite, I feel like. Where it's, like, he actually is, I, I think, a genuinely good actor, but he just has, like, no charm. And, you know, some people might disagree with that. But I don't know. He's, he's, he's awfully dry. All that masculinity gets in the way. <laughs> and then The Rock is, like, like magically a great actor and charismatic why he isn't in great movies i don't know that's like i i don't know if you were there when i was looking through the rocks filmography but like the dude's been in like the fast and furious movies that are good and that's about it he's so good everybody loves him everybody loves him and he's good he's just being wasted i don't know how to utilize the rock but he deserves better once we can weaponize the rock we'll have won the war yeah but vin diesel i think he's a good actor he was in that uh find me guilty movie um, it just—he's not super funny. I mean, I think there's a reason the pacifier didn't work. <laughs> there's probably a lot of problems with the pacifier, but Vin Diesel definitely wasn't helping the pacifier. It—it's gonna be interesting to see like how he starts turning out as he gets into his fifties. Um, and so that's why I don't think this is the year for yeah, Vin Diesel. I think he could, so he can still surprise us. All right, maybe next year. Yeah, maybe he starts getting really schlubby. Yeah, plays like some goon like in his fifties and gets like a best supporting nomination. Could happen. Could. Man can dream. He just takes over for Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I want you guys uh, to tell the truth. Does Will Smith belong in this category? Maybe. maybe maybe modern Will Smith. Definitely yeah, modern. That's, Will Smith. It's, it's the weird thing about this being lifetime achievement because he's achieved so much wonderful stuff in his lifetime. But modern Will Smith just wants to make a bunch of money at the box office, and he keeps choosing the worst vehicles to do that. Yeah, tell me what was the last like good Will Smith movie and performance? Oh, the combination. The deadly combination. Yeah, it was probably like what pursuit of happiness. I guess. Like I was fine with I Am Legend. Uh, he yeah he was fine I guess. Okay, let's go with I Am Legend. Still though, it's like nine years ago. I mean that's a long time. There's a lot of movies in between there. Hancock, Seven Pounds, Men in Black Three, After Earth. Let's not forget Winter's Tale. 
whatever the hell focus <laughs> is. And concussion. Oh, you don't remember that? This year. Was, it, you explain it, Sean. He's hanging out with Margot Robbie, and she's like, I'm going to get good at pickpocketing. And he's like, I'm going to have sex with you. <laughs> Is that the, that the line? He's, he's a straight-up predator. <laughs> all, I saw in, all I saw in this movie on HBO was there's a scene where, like, Margot Robbie's, like, going around pickpocketing from people in uh, New Orleans. And for some reason, Will Smith is, like, up on a balcony just, like, walking back and forth watching her pickpocket. And he's, like, nodding approval. Like, yes, yes, she's doing well. Yes, yes. But it's also funny because they're both going to be the Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah. That looks pretty lame, right? Yes. Yeah, no, it definitely looks lame. <laughs> it's got like 20 characters. Hopefully they'll all die. I mean, they're bad guys. They should. But they're like good guys? Because he's like, time to save the world. Sam Worthington? Um, Jai Courtney's in it. <laughs> Jai Courtney. New Sam Worthington. The new Sam Worthington. <laughs> Oh yeah, Sam Worthington 2.0, and he's he's, he's definitely he's just from right? Australia. There's no shitting around here. Good. He didn't like move there as a kid. You need those guys to come from Australia, okay? He's like probably like only like 33 or something. He's 29, so you're pretty close. 29, 10 years younger, perfect. Yeah, he's ready. The next generation. <laughs> the next generation of <laughs> really bland. <laughs> Someone really cool was in Suicide Squad, right? Like, um, uh, like Fastbender. Tom, Tom Hardy, Hardy was in it and dropped out, and got replaced by Joel Kinnaman of RoboCop fame. Ah, and The Killing. Ooh, fun. Okay, let's choose <laughs> someone here. Uh, Well, Jason Bateman, that makes Jason me laugh. Jason Bateman, by me? That's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> Peak Leaf Shriver, guys. Peak Leaf Shriver. But what if he like he's on the upswing? I feel like... Oh, the Ray Donovan, season six. <laughs> That's where it all comes together. <laughs> I'm just saying, he's coming off a, like a hot performance. That could, who knows where that could go. Right, is, anyone, is anyone else here coming off a hot performance? Maybe even Diesel. I don't think I don't think I don't think Vin, <laughs> that heartfelt monologue at the end. I don't think Vin Diesel should win because there's still a lot. There's still like he's mm-hmm. like kind of old, like he's like in his like mid forties, right? And I still feel he's got like another thirty years left in filmmaking. <laughs> I mean, it's it's he has the most unnecessary muscles <laughs> because like he's so ripped, but so often in his roles, he just like shoots someone with a gun or sits in a car <laughs> driving around. And he goes, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that's, that's his best acting. His intimidating laugh. I can imagine him getting something different though. I feel like it can happen. Like a boat. <laughs> <laughs> boat war. Or he becomes a boat. Um, <laughs> just do Jason Bateman. Just Jason Bateman. They're all. They're all. Most all right. of them are worthy. So it's tough. I mean, I feel like Jason Bateman is in the exact same boat as Leo Schreiber, where like he was good in The Gift this year. Ah, that's a good mm. point. Fine, Ron Howard. <laughs> he's fine, Ron he's Howard. Old. 
His best thing he ever did was narrate Arrested Development. I said it. Did do a good job. All right. Actress. The theme this year was actresses with difficult last names. <laughs> At least three of them. And I think I put all of the names in this category. Yeah. Everything I saw that had actresses in it, they were they great. They were great. So, let me yeah, walk it was you a weirdly it was a weirdly good year for female performances. Okay, so first I got Anna Kendrick in Pitch Perfect 2. Doesn't need to exist. She's fine. She's kind of pushed aside. Doesn't need to exist? I thought she was the main character. I mean, the movie doesn't need to exist. It doesn't really make any sense. Like, what more do they have to prove? Now they're, like, going against some weird, like, German team. And it's annoying because when the German team sings, they, like, sing in, like, really heavy German accents. I'm like, that's not right. I mean, she's okay. She just not one of the more interesting characters in the movie. So no, knowing nothing about this franchise, I'm going to assume in Pitch Perfect 1, they learned how to sing one pitch perfectly. <laughs> and now in the second one, like a Tuvan throat singer, they're learning to simultaneously sing two perfect pitched notes. Um, okay. I'm just, I'm not going to tell you what it's about because I'd rather you live with the mystery because that sounds like fun. Does Rebel Wilson fall down in this movie? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> the whole movie starts with her, like, embarrassing herself in front of the world. Oh. Like, they're, they're doing a performance in front of the president, I believe. And Nice. So they put some stock footage of Barry O in I there? don't know how they did it. I don't remember. I feel like they probably did. And um, they're doing the song Wrecking Ball with Miley Cyrus, and she, like, comes in and then, like, she like turns upside down and her costume like rips open so she's like naked and she like is she, is she playing the wrecking ball she's yes she's playing the wrecking ball because she's fat um Ugh. but they embarrass themselves and they get like well I don't want to ruin the movie for you <laughs> um they lose the ability to sing pitch perfect yeah, let's just say is this how pitch got her pitch back yeah. let's just move on okay that is, <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird conversation Let's move on to uh, Paper Towns with Cara Dillavin. Yay. No idea Why if not? that's right. And I thought it'd be appropriate to include her. She's kind of like a, like the new like it girl. She's also in Suicide Squad, I believe. So She's, um, she's got a career. Career's just starting. And she was okay in Paper Towns. Um, she wasn't in much of it because the whole movie's about trying to find her. But she was okay. Um... Isn't at the end of this movie she's like, "Fuck you! Why'd you find me?" Yeah, that's the end of the movie. That's actually right. Um, I'm sort of interested to see where her career's gonna go, but certainly not Paper Towns too. Oh God, no! That movie barely has enough momentum to like go for five minutes. <laughs> I don't really know. I read the book too, and it's like this could be like ten pages long. This is this is dumb. But the the whole thing is like the, this guy is so totally smitten by her that he's willing to like upend his life to try to find her. Basically, right? but it's weird because at the end she still kind of like kisses him. She's like, well, it, it seems like she's still kind of she's kind of leading him on. So it's like, you know, like I like the idea of like, oh, this guy creating this manic pixie dream girl, you know, in his head. But like, that's not who she is. But like, she kind of teases him at the end like she is. So 
kind of ruins the <laughs> well, whole message of the movie. What I was trying to get to was, like, is she good enough in her, I guess, limited screen time at the beginning of the movie that you are like, yeah, I'd, I'd want to go find her? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with, uh, next we got Leah Sado, maybe, from Spectre. Just playing a Bond girl. They never really have much to do. Come on. She had an abnormally large amount of things to do for a Bond girl. I mean, performance-wise. I mean, she's just, like, kind of smart, and they're like, bone. Like, there's not much else to it, is there? Yeah, but he has to work for it. (laughs) I mean, it's just a shame because she was pretty good in that Blue's the Warmest Color movie. And then, you know, you get cast as a Bond girl, and it's like, what do you, you can't, really, it's hard to shine. They're all the same. Just okay. I, I, I'm going to take by your guys' silence that you agree? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to Mae Whitman in the Duff. Um, all right, tread careful. <laughs> what do you mean? Big May Whitman fan over here. <laughs> Honestly, she's probably too good for this category. She was, she wasn't, she, um, she wasn't bad. The movie itself was kind of meh. You guys know about what the Duff is, right? So it stands for a designated ugly fat friend. Right? Yeah, and then she finds out she's like that in her group because she has a bunch of pretty friends. So it's kind of about her trying to like create a new identity. And of course, like this cool, handsome guy comes in. It's like oh, I'm gonna teach you how to be cool. But then she like learns, like oh, it's about being yourself, which is I feel like a movie that's been made many times before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's okay, I guess. It wasn't terrible. I think somebody funny was in it, like Ken Jeong. That sounds right. He's probably in this. Um, yeah. She was okay. You know, actually, my biggest problem with the movie is uh, it created that term designated ugly fat friend and I feel like there's going to be people that are going to use that maliciously in real life even though that wasn't the point of the story how beautiful are these children <laughs> that she's considered ugly and fat it is that's that's definitely bullshit because she, she looks she looks she looks fine yep. I mean I know she was on Arrested Development as what's her face plant egg what's her name <laughs> bland bland but like I mean no she's not ugly or fat so that was that was kind of odd um I kind of wish they'd actually okay, that's just terrible, like though, you don't want to you don't want to have someone who's like actually ugly and fat star in a movie <laughs> so that's another Ugh, thing that makes right. me not like precious the movie. was terrible um but she does she does her best with like iffy material <laughs> So let's go on to Mia Wazakowska and Crimson Peak. We all saw that together. I thought the other performances in the movie were pretty good. Hers, I thought, was kind of forgettable. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, she's just like fine in it. I feel like she's kind of getting typecast as weird history cr- girl. His- what does that mean? History girl? History girl. I mean, it is a weird thing, like, how there are certain actresses who, like, only get cast in parts that take place, like, way in the past. And it happens to actors, too. It's weird. I mean, that's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking of, 
weird creepy girl because she played a weird creepy girl in Stoker. She played a weird creepy girl in Maps to the Stars. She played a weird creepy girl in Only Only Lovers Left Alive. You could maybe even argue Alice in Wonderland because it's got kind of like a weird stupid gothic bullshit going to it. I feel like she's being underutilized and is stuck in that mold. Um, I guess she's probably been in some other stuff. What, are the, what old stuff are we talking about? What history stuff? Um, well, like Alice in Wonderland and Jane Eyre. Why is um, Alice in Wonderland history? Because it's like a period piece? It's not set in the present. Yeah, it's like set in a I fantasy world too, though. I mean, it well, is isn't set Isn't it also set in the real world? It is, but it's mostly it's like, set in Wonderland. Looks like she did a Madame Bovary adaptation. Okay, so yeah, she's done her... Albert Nobbs. I mean, that stuff's going to happen when you're like, oh, she's Australian. I thought she's English. You know, that's going to happen if you're like sort of European actress. You're going to get those roles. Um, Sort of European or on the entire other side of the planet. Hey, those are European colonists or prisoners (laughs) (laughs) that came came over there. That's why I said sort of European. It, It works. It's good enough for me. Do you think there are Australian people that's like, well, that accent's either English or American. I can't quite tell. I feel like it's more like it's either, those guys are like American or Canadian. I know what you mean. It's like the English people came over here and settled uh, our country, but you know. I mean, I feel like Australian people sound more like British people than American people sound like British people. Obviously, I'm biased, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Anyways. Canadian people blend in until... Like, they say the word against, and I hate that. <laughs> Stop it, Canadians. You're dragging us all Sean, they down. they also say drama instead of drama. I can live with that. Can you live with pasta? I've been living with pasta my entire life. <laughs> okay, so who should win the mildly pleased best, or mildly, I guess it's that best, mildly pleased actress <laughs> award? Um, that's a tough one. Because uh, I guess I have to make that decision. <laughs> You've seen all these. Yeah, mm-hmm. Unless you want to give it to uh, Leia Seydoux, just because we've all seen that. Yeah, we could do that. Because, like, I feel like I, I want to give it to Cara Delevingne because it feels, like, relevant. But I also feel like maybe she's a little too good. Maybe I'm... <laughs> Maybe she was great. I don't know if she was Maybe great. Maybe that was, like, best supporting actress. Let's go with Leah Sado because it's it just... It, it, that choice it couldn't interest me less. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to actor. Actor. The first one. Bill Hader. The train wreck. <laughs> you could understand, Sean. He said Bill Hader. Um, I put him on here just because I think that movie is fine, but I I don't know I don't really like. But he fucking owns it. I don't really like. He tears it more to serious. I mean, I wouldn't say more serious, but straight man Bill Hader. Uh, it, it wasn't working for me personally. Oh, I was like, this dude could star in anything from now on. He's got his own map to the stars. What was Map to the Star? <laughs> it was a David Cronenberg movie that Mia Wasikowska was in. Uh, okay. We don't want to say Julianne Moore? You're correct. Okay. Me, who's... Were any dudes Just, in that? Was Robert Pattinson in that one, too? 
I want to put one of the Duplass brothers in it. Um, let's see. Robert Pattinson, John Cusack. Ugh. One of the Duplass brothers, John Cusack. It's I like the original the Duplass, Duplass brothers. Brother. <laughs> I created you. <laughs> what about Chris Pratt in Jurassic World? Some might argue. Bad performance. It's the thing where it's like, if you play a flawless person, <laughs> is it good? Is it right? Mm, I don't know. You know what's interesting, though, about that is even though I'm like, oh, man, but Chris Pratt's not being funny enough. Well, like, thank God he's at least funny a little. Imagine if they cast someone that wasn't Chris Pratt, how much, how, like, worse that character would be. Like, like Gerard Butler. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's, a, like, a big A-list star right now. Who's somebody who's at, at Chris Pratt's level right now? That's tough. I don't know. What if, like, what if Jeremy Renner starred? Like, he'd be like, eh. He'd be like, a dame had no right making dinosaurs. Get this dame out of here. He's, like, sexist, right? That's he's, the whole he's thing. He's, like, sexist. And a, I guess he gave him, like, a, was like a New Jersey accent. <laughs> really... These dames and the dinosaurs. I don't know what that accent is. <laughs> Could be anything. Just like bad play voice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I don't think Chris Pratt had like anything to work with. Um so he did okay, but yeah, the character as written is pretty pretty lame. Uh, he had some pretty lame lines though. Like I uh, I wonder if some of them could have been delivered better. Like he was putting a southern tinge on that. We've, we've talked about this. It's not Southern. It's just an American <laughs> accent that him and Vincent D'Onofrio are doing because they're yeah. like military guys, so they come from America. Oh, I hate it. <sighs> Look at those dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill some of them. It makes sense on this list, though. Yeah. What about Jason Bateman in The Gift? I think maybe this is on this list just because if you play an asshole well, you're like, that guy's an asshole. Fuck him. That's the reason. <laughs> so was it like good or bad? Like you didn't really give me much. I didn't see it, so I don't it's know. It's probably actually good now that I think about it, but you know, it's just like Jason Bateman doing his regular Jason Bateman thing where you're just like, he's just a nice guy. He's just trying to live his life. But then you're like, oh, no, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, kind of like Arrested Development Season 4, where you're like, oh, wait, like, Michael's a dick. Hey, what about Joel Edgerton? Is he good in that? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's letting his beard do all that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a very Shia LaBeouf-like move. Because it is that thing where, like, he's way too handsome to be playing this weird, like, kind of socially awkward guy. But, like, they just gave him that crappy goatee, and it's like, nope. And they kind of gave him a shitty haircut, and they're like, no, nah, he's he's not handsome. Look at that beard. Yeah. And it works. And it works, I guess. <laughs> I think Joel Edgerton is naturally kind of creepy. Um, having not seen a ton of his work, I feel like he has a unsettling edge to him. Uncanny Valley look to him. <laughs> yes, like he's a CGI character. <laughs> um. So, but yeah, he's like he's like 
they're both good because you can see why they hate each other and you can also kind of pity them and it's it's really just a movie about Rebecca Hall being stuck between these two really shitty dudes needing a way out. Uh, kind of like in Hunger Games, how Josh Hutchinson's like just trying to kill himself. He's, he's all kinds of fucked up in this movie. Returning nominee as well. <laughs> I guess it's better now because like in the original Hunger Games, it's like look at him, he can throw sacks of flour. <laughs> so beautifully strong uh but by mockingjay part two which it was the only one that came out last year yes. right mockingjay part one was the year before uh he's like he's been brainwashed and he's all strangly he's very he's strangly. suicidal that's cool yes he's okay it's you know it's it's the kind of thing where he like really needed to turn in a tour de force if he was gonna have a career post Hunger Games, and I don't know if he did it. No, probably, probably not. No. I don't know what he's gonna do. It's it must feel super weird that like Liam Hemsworth is doing okay, and Jennifer Lawrence is like one of the biggest stars in the world, and then Josh Hutcherson, the other the the third point of that love triangle, like well he was a, he was a kid who was in things. Yeah, I feel like the thing is he looks too young, so once he's like too old to play young guys, I don't know, like I mean, I would say that's Jennifer Lawrence's problem too, but they just ignore it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. How about uh Tom Hardy and Mad Max? You know, he's just like a long for the ride. He doesn't really do that much, yeah. No. He's not he's, he's certainly not bad. He's just there. Yeah. He's enjoying the fun. <laughs> he's like us watching the movie. You know, honestly <laughs> I was pretty disappointed when I heard that the next Mad Max was probably gonna be him and not have Charlize Theron because I'm like, well, wasn't she like the star? Like what did did Mad Max do anything? Do we like know his character yet? He's like all chained up the entire time. I mean, yeah, he like shoots a couple people. Does he like have lines? I don't remember. Like <laughs> Well, he does. He mumbles through a bunch of lines, which is pretty funny. But, I, I wasn't. His, I knew he had lines. His, his performance is is really physical, though. Like his lines don't matter. Like you don't have to understand him because Tom Hardy is doing so much with his face and his body that you always know what Max is going through. Like just because Furiosa is the real main character of the movie, like doesn't. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with. I I got nothing here. This Mad Max Fury Road is a perfect film, so it, it doesn't. I'm not going to criticize it. I can't. Okay, so all right. Apparently, <laughs> um, immune to criticism. I guess. Um. Hmm. Chris Pratt. It's funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. This great American accent. I think it's fitting, right? Because we don't want to heap anything but the highest praise on Chris Pratt. We didn't want to do it, Chris. You made us. We had to call him just Chris. I guess because there's so many Chris celebrities now. Oh, yeah. Chris Evans, Chris Pine. 
Chris Parnell Brown Christopherson yeah. Chris O'Dowd mm-hmm. Oh yeah that Chris Lee And Chris Christie yeah. Oh yeah Double Chris Double Chris It's like Chris Christopherson They should fight <laughs> Pretty boxing Double Chris Versus double Chris The quadruple Chris you're gonna fight on Christmas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what an asshole move their parents made. Yeah. Fuck you, Chris Christie's parents. You blow it. And this brings us to the final award of the uh, the MPAs. Where we choose the most mildly pleasing movie of the year. This one stars a Chris. Chris Evans. It's Avengers Age of Ultron is our first nominee. And Chris Hemsworth. Right? And Chris Hemsworth. Not Liam. No. Okay. Liam's the other one. Hunger Games. Got it. Are we going to talk about each of these? <laughs> We've yeah, talked about most of these I wasn't sure if we're going to talk already. about them or if we're going to introduce each one. James Spader is disappointing in Age of Ultron because the trailers made it seem like he would actually be a like good villain and said he was just kind of snarky. And then at the end they fought a million of him, which uh, that's the worst thing you can do in a movie. <laughs> Pro tip out there, if you're going to like build up one villain as being like really menacing, don't then later have the heroes fight a million of that guy because it just ruins everything. So you want a million jokers? <laughs> Why so serious? Why so serious? Why so... He jumps into a clone machine. That sounds more like the 60s Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they punch him and they turn to dust. I've seen Good that. Good thing movie. I had this anti-clone spray. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a new Batman movie that's done in the style of the old 60s one. But that'll never happen. Anyways. Yeah, Avengers, you know, mildly enjoyable. Um, I like the, the characters. Uh, there's a lot of them. Mostly some, just fighting. Some of the action's like... okay. Yeah, they did that party scene. That's pretty much the only time that they're not fighting. And that time where they go to Hawkeye's house. Linda Cardellini's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing where I think I disagree with most people because I feel like the action in Age of Ultron is probably the best action that's in the Marvel Universe, except for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I guess I agree with that. Um, and I really liked all the hangout scenes. Like those are the best scenes in the movie. Like the party scene is the best scene and the hanging out on the farm worked for me. And I don't think it's something that worked for a lot of people. Yeah. Just playing Farmville. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. For me, it was probably just like, I, I'm just so far gone as far as having any interest in these movies that like, it could have been like actually pretty good, and I probably still would have been kind of bored with it. So I was pretty bored with this. Were you pretty bored with Crimson Peak? No, I thought it was. Uh, 
I don't know. This seems like a weird <laughs> one for mildly pleasing because it's got like a lot of interesting things about it. Like it looks gorgeous. It's just the story's kind of weak in some parts. But there's some cool stuff going on in this movie. I like the whole gothic horror feel of it. Ghosts and all the goop. Yeah, all, that all the goop. red goop. Yeah. Like, uh, I like Loki. This movie. Yeah. Like Jessica Chastain. I thought her character was going to be terrible, but then I actually liked her. Because she's doing an English accent. So I'm like, I don't know, but she saved it. You know? Sometimes a good actor can work through a bad accent. You know, case in point, Idris Elba and Prometheus. Bad accent. Good performance. It happens. Um, okay, so yeah. Kind of kind of good. It's just, maybe. I was expecting so, uh, you know, a fucking sequel to Pacific Rim. Yeah. Damn it. It's, it's disappointing because I feel like... <laughs> Guillermo can't get his most like, like like the projects people really want are the ones he can't get made he can only get made like the ones that everyone's like oh okay I guess I'll take what I can get you know his his book that nobody cared about Troll Hunters mm-hmm. it's becoming a Netflix uh, either a movie or a miniseries oh is it just a mi- I thought it was going to be a full on series oh maybe it's a full on series I must have misheard but it's like oh okay yeah, this is okay I guess uh, we'll see I just it sucks because like the dude wants to make 200 million dollar movies and nobody wants to give yeah, him yeah I mean and it, it's <laughs> like he could definitely make whatever he wanted if he just could rein in his budget but he's the one filmmaker who shouldn't have to do that he puts so much on the screen you know what the, everyone makes fun of George Lucas going ah oh, yeah Phil the frame was so much it's so dense that was my worst George Lucas. I've done so many good George Lucases over the years. <laughs> but but George Lucas, you know, they're always like, they always refer to that, you know, his the frame so dense thing, and they make fun of him because the frame is so dense, but you can't focus on anything, and it's overwhelming. But Guillermo del Toro does such a good job of filling the frame and making dense images on the screen. And with, like, real things, too. Like, he'll still use a lot of practical effects and, like, old-fashioned sets and models. And You know, I think it comes from the fact that he was, like, a makeup artist before he's a director. He's got a great uh, eye for detail. Yeah. It's too bad it wasn't better. All right. Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. What a fucking mouthful. Um, I think I never used Anna Call because you did the review. I actually had a pretty good time. I had a pretty good time. The scary, the scary alien mutant things, fucking scared the hell out of me. Yeah. And it's pretty violent, which is nice because Mockingjay Part One was kind of not really, it, it, nothing really happened. So. You know, it's still it's still like a bummer because like the first two was like, oh, the Hunger Games is so sweet. They put a bunch of kids and they have to kill each other. This is sweet. And then you know, then you leave there. Like that wasn't that the whole like thing about the story? Wasn't that what made it good to begin with? Was that concept? But you know, the performances are okay. The world is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, it's just it's not as good without the the Hunger Games itself. 
Uh, and I thought they did a good job trying to like bring that back by turning their siege of the city into like a sort of everything but in name Hunger Games. Yeah, it was like traps and stuff. Lots of people getting killed. That was good. Certainly better than part one, where it's just like go to a battle and look at it from afar and then go back to base. Has there been any movie in history that had so many, let's just go back to base and talk about it scenes? I think it's, uh, that's the one that's got the most. <laughs> Holds the record. The base talking scenes. It didn't need to be two movies. It makes no sense. It was so stupid. It was incredibly stupid. But not like our next film, which was a genius masterwork in Jurassic World. <laughs> I don't really know where anyone stands on this, because I feel like when it came out, Sean was pretty negative on it and then but like we did that like franchises one and you're like but it made a bajillion dollars i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't sure if you changed your tune on it or what <laughs> just because it made money sean only likes things that are successful now <laughs> um no like i think it's super weird and scary that people that have such an affection for a franchise like Chris Pratt said again and again and again, like, Jurassic Park was my Star Wars, which I hate that quote, but, like, clearly that's important to him. And Colin Trevorrow, you know, same deal. Like, this is a guy who's, like, super passionate about it. And, like, it scares me that they're, like, that they would be like, well, I'll just make it again. Like, I can't get in that mindset of, it's the, I'm going to try to remake my favorite thing. But I, but I guess that's been going around. I mean, Star Wars was sort of a soft reboot. Creed was a soft reboot. Uh, you could say Mad Max was kind of a soft reboot. There's, there's this whole, like, what if you do a sequel, but it's also kind of the first movie again thing. Uh, and Jurassic World is just the one that did it. Like, Hitman, also another one, I guess. <laughs> um, but Jurassic World is the one where it just didn't work. Like, they made the Velociraptor and the T-Rex friends at the end. Great. None of the characters were good. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I feel like I liked it when I walked out of it, but then, like, I feel like there's so many little things that I hate that they become big things the more I think about them. Like, one thing I really hate is the fact that when the movie begins, this park is considered boring. (laughs) Yeah, it's what got the fucking fuck? dinosaurs, dude. It's like we've been waiting so long to see this park functioning, and then we're like, "Oh yeah, but it sucks." Like, who gives a fuck? It's like, come on, man. Like, we were so excited to see this park, and now you're telling us that it's boring. Like, how how's that a way to start it off? And like, before our one Ray Donovan loving fan writes in about how we're so stupid because it's like a meta commentary about like CGI movies. Like, we get that. But it's still a movie that's trying to set up a credible reality. And you know what? People still get excited going to Disneyland. People still get excited going to the zoo. I get excited going to the zoo. People still get excited going to Hawaii. This is a tropical paradise with dinosaurs on it. No way after like five years is that like, oh, so boring. Play my phone. And for some reason, I really hated that it was about the people that worked there, which I feel like also ruins the magic. 
it's better to kind of walk in like what is this place because that's what it was kind of like in the first Jurassic Park it's like they were dinosaur experts and, and everything but like they this is all so new to them but this is a universe where everybody like gets it and we're getting the behind the scenes the unglamorous behind the scenes look at it it just like it was it seemed like such a wasted opportunity with such a cool concept well and also like the characters you get are like the lady who knows how to run everything in the park mm-hmm. and the military guy who's like not only was he a military guy he's also like a dinosaur expert like they didn't get that in the first Jurassic Park the characters only knew enough to be scared like they were they were archaeologists so like yeah this thing will fuck us up like did you see the part where I scared the little kid with this with the one little tiny bone there's like a living one of those he's trying to kill me like that would have been a totally different movie if instead of Sam Deal it was Sylvester Sloan going yeah I can get the <laughs> I got him your pressures are bit off today <laughs> I got uh, <laughs> taking a dub <laughs> he's the lawyer actually in this one. gosh you know what I read a great article I want to say it was on Cracked about how this could have been like a way better movie if the main character had been that woman who died a terrible, terrible death. You know what I'm saying? The assistant. <laughs> yeah. Because think about it. She was this character who's like kind of like snotty, but like you see she's reading like Jeff Goldblum, or Malcolm's book. So she's like, she's kind of interested, but she's got to watch these kids, but she's like, eh. But she could like learn a lesson about like, you know, be like kind of the relationship that Grant had with the kids in the first movie. Like that would have been a good dynamic. But no, we went with, yeah, like you were saying, scientist that knows literally everything. And then, like, stupid all-American all raptor trainer guy. <laughs> that's and the, and the dumb little kids just hanging like, out with themselves. Like, that dude should have been more like the Muldoon of this movie, I feel like. Yeah, he should have been the very first person to die. Not Yeah, because he's, like, a stupid... Or, like, like it would have been funny because he, like, trains the raptors, but it's like, oh, no, you killed by him or something. No, yeah, like, that character works great as an example of, like, how serious the situation is because he's dead and now you're fucked because, you, like, that guy was the key to you surviving. It pisses me off because I feel like we're making a way better movie right now. Like, we're coming with way better character relationships and dynamics. And it's like, you know, this movie made so much money. So it's like, <laughs> what the fuck are they going to do now? Because, like, there's not really, any, like, a good, like, where can you take this? Are you guys for or against them making Dido soldiers in the next one? I am absolutely <laughs> against anything that they do, because a sequel makes no sense to this. It sounds like that's the direction they want to go in, though. Doesn't It'd it? be like, kind of cool, though, like in a really stupid way. <laughs> I just keep imagining like a trailer where there's like soldiers in like a Middle Eastern village, and they're like looking around, and then like the raptor soldiers like jump out and attack them. They have like, like machine guns in their backs or something? Yeah, like there's these ISIS raptors. Okay, so no humans in the next. No, it's just all raptors. They're taking like a like a Dawn of the Planet of the Apes turn, and they're like, okay, so so like one human who's like, please, we need your help. It's Sam Worthington. It's Sam Worthington, (laughs) and they're just like, subtitles. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like they're like, well, like maybe we'll help. And it's called Jurassic World War. <gasps> I'm in. I'm really scared that this could be something that might happen. Yeah, 
God, Spectre. Like that's our that's our last no- nominee. I feel like we could spend so much time talking about Jurassic World. We should probably just do a podcast with Jurassic World sometime. Um, but Spectre, latest James Bond movie, maybe Daniel Craig's last. Maybe. Good one to go out on. No. Well, maybe. <laughs> it's it's good because it's a very much like. Now, remember how Casino Royale changed everything? Now everything's back to where it was. So there's a certain, like, symmetry to it. There's a, there's a poetry to it. Him ending on this. It's just so disappointing that, like, Christoph Waltz didn't get to do anything cool. No, there wasn't really as many good action set pieces. Though the best one's the very first one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Day of the Dead thing. I guess. Hmm. Because when he's in the evil base, which like is a very great like Bond set, he just like blows it up and like, alright. Like he he almost does it on accident, doesn't he? He like flips a switch and somehow that whole base explodes. It's really easy to blow that place up. <laughs> that was a whole that whole sequence is weird. It's also like this machine will destroy your memories, but it doesn't because you're fine. And you escape miraculously and then blow up a whole base. Wouldn't have been cool if it destroyed all your memories. It didn't, though. But it was supposed to. (laughs) It's really cool. Very scary. (laughs) They included a lot of throwbacks, but they all felt kind of half-assed. Like, they were just in there because, like, well, people remember this. Let's throw this in there. It'll kind of make sense. Um. Yeah, he. Pre- I guess he probably should have got out on Skyfall and just. It would. Maybe would have been better just to start with a new Bond. I also feel like Daniel Craig's getting kind of like he's getting kind of old, so it's now it's getting creepy with the Bond girls. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's still got a lot of time to catch up to Roger Moore. He's still got like forty years. He was like, <laughs> how old was he when he did that last? It's like fifty-eight. Yeah. We put in my teeth there. Um, like the the one, the one complicating factor on Spectre is that very very recently, Christoph Waltz said, "I'm down to do two more James Bond movies as long as Daniel Craig still signs on." I want to see something new. Let's 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 have Daniel Craig not sign on, and then they'll already have to recast Blofeld. They've done it a million times before, anyways. It's true. Who could replace Christoph Waltz as Blofeld? Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> oh, oh that would be right as if Brian Cranston did it. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> okay, Brian Cranston is Blofeld. <laughs> and James Bond is... Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Oh my god. Oh, because he's Deadpool. He like reads comic books. <laughs> you guys. I hear Deadpool is his favorite comic too. <laughs> Brian Pazane writes those. He's like funny on the internet. Oh, I know. What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Me and Shana just being the worst people. You know, something like that. Can Christopher Nolan direct it? Oh, he's going to do Akira, Sean, first. It's going to be a trilogy. Sorry. Akira with Keanu Reeves. Tetsuo. Well. Anyways, we should probably crown our uh, 
winning film. Going into this, I was I was leaning towards Spectre, but now I don't know. I think Spectre is a fair choice. I feel like Jurassic uh, World is too much negative stuff. Um, Avengers. Me. I think Avengers could win it. Yeah, that's a good choice too. Crimson Peak, eh, not quite. Hunger Games. Ah. Eh. Uh, Do we really want to give think... that 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 prestige? To th- Mockingjay Part Two. Oh no, I was I was, I was doing that ah for uh, for Crimson Peak oh. because, uh, like we talked about, it's like it looks real good, but the story kind of lets it down a little bit. I honestly think though, for me, it's it's definitely between Spectre and Avengers. That's a tough one. Okay, let's keep it to those two. Which one would you rather see again? Avengers. I, probably, I don't think that surprises anyone. I think I'd probably see Avengers again too. Actually, I don't know if that helps anything. Does that make it more or less mildly pleasing? Probably more than that. Maybe Spectre then. Yeah, Spectre seems fine. Yeah. Okay. I'm like how it's spelled. Fuck that. <laughs> I don't think you can ever spell it another way, can you? Sure, you can. Stands for like super practical espionage crap terrorist resource energy. I always thought that was supposed to be like the British version of how to spell a specter like a ghost. But now I don't know. I don't know. It had some weird octopus shit in there. I know that. Oh yeah. What the fuck was that? Oh, there's like a Radiohead song and they didn't use it. Spectre, you could have been better, but you could have been a lot worse. And so ends these 2015 Mildly Pleased Awards. Um, If you found these through iTunes solely by subscribing to Mildly Pleased, then let me point you to our website. It's mildlypleased.com. You can find our top 10 list there. Uh, already we've done our top 10 albums of the year tv shows are coming up next movies and video games on the horizon we'll do podcasts about those topics too uh probably not video games because you heard the video games part of this like do you really want that for an hour and a half no no one does um and i guess that's it thanks for making it this far and we'll speak to you Next time. You used to call me on my cell phone late night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone late night when you need my love. And I know when that hotline bling that can only mean one thing. I know when that hotline bling that can only mean one thing. Ever since I left the city, you.